When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is Carrie Stevens, and I am here to conquer the Shout It Out Loud cast. That's right, Tom and Zeus are in big trouble. Bend over, boys. Carrie's taking over. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Shout It Out Loud cast. Don't turn your radio dial. If it feels like deja vu, then you're in the right place because the album review crew is back with episode 15. We're calling this one, There's a Right Way, There's the Wrong Way, and then there's the Ingve. Oh, Tommy Zeus, <laughs> how are you? I can't believe you didn't find a way to mix in there might be a riot in the dungeons. <laughs> I thought about it, but the right way, wrong way, Ingvay thing felt more right. I like it. I like it. Wonderful. Thank you. Zeus, what's up? Sonny, what's up? Uh, always a good time to join us, uh, join forces, rising forces for the uh, album review crew. Yeah, this is a uh, deja vu uh, <laughs> because we just did this earlier in the week. Well, if I can look into the crystal ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, this is getting well, ridiculous. I'm looking at the two of you and I'm thinking I must be dreaming. Oh. <laughs> Hold on, because now is the time. All right. Oh. <laughs> well, we are a rising force. <laughs> oh, God. All right. That's it. See you guys. Thanks. That's the review. <laughs> 617. Yeah, five, five, exactly. Um, if you want to hear the rest of the review. <laughs> but I'm not really quite sure. Krakato is a phrase that I can put in a sentence. I think that's Krakatow. Don't you remember the Seinfeld? The mighty Krakatoans. You have to save Krokatoa. them. The volcano. Yeah. The vo- I thought the cra- it was the legitimate charity. It, yes, exactly. <laughs> Krakatow, the volcano. It was supposed <laughs> to erupt. Exactly. Is <laughs> that what supposed- this is? Yeah, the mighty Krakatoans. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Hopefully this episode gets over faster than the speed of light, but I doubt it. Yes, not with us, not with us. <laughs> oh man! Well, we had a uh, uh, pretty long one last time, Tom. You'd say almost the longest episode of all time. Well, uh, it was Tesla. it was yeah, it was Tesla mechanical resonance. We love though the group episodes can sometimes go long because we just spend t- fawning over the albums. So. It was also your number one album. Yes, they're always pretty special. We'll find out where this one comes. But before we can move on, we always look back to the previous episode. Yep. So uh, as previously stated, we did a group pick of uh, Tesla Mechanical Resonance and the poll was uh, best song on the album. We did our best to narrow it down to four. A lot of people love this album and pretty much everything on it. 
Uh, and the options were Modern Day Cowboy, Little Susie, Coming At You Live, and Easy Come, Easy Go. And no surprise, Modern Day Cowboy ran away with it with 49% of the votes. Surprisingly, Coming At You Live came in second, then Little Susie, then Easy Come, Easy Go. I thought Little Susie might fight a little bit harder for uh, for second or you know maybe even first place, but it didn't. Um, and so we'll run through a couple comments like we always do. Um, our friend Twisted Kister said, don't have much history with this album, but it's very solid. No bad spots for me. But how in the world did Coming At You Live not open the album? Easy Come, Easy Go is a mid-album cut. Uh, anyone else think of Faith No More's We Care A Lot with that drum intro? I could see a little bit. It's a good song. But um, yeah, we care I tried a never. Yeah, Sonny's I not never to think about Faith No More. Ooh, really? You don't like We Care A Lot? Midlife crisis? I don't care a lot about Faith No More. Wow. Okay. Well, I care about the fucking Transformers because there's more than meets the eye. Oh, God. Deuce, missed the deadline. Little Susie would have gotten the vote. Not that it mattered. Mountain Day Cowboys smoked the field. Kevin Northern said, personal favorite is We're No Good Together, but I'll go with Coming At You Live here. It just rips from start to finish. There are no duds on this album. Stands the test of time. Then Graham Richley, I never heard this album before, but We're No Good Together was the standout on my first listen. Funny enough, the least appealing was Modern Day Cowboy. <laughs> wow. Um, Uncle Polly says, I'm a mean machine, the kind you don't want to meet. Middle name is trouble. I'm danger in the street. How badass is that? The song makes me want to throw down and I'm not even tough. <laughs> <laughs> Love the drums and swagger of coming at you live. David Cathy, Modern Day Cowboy, effing rocks. Sean DeHaan, such an amazing album that hasn't aged a bit. Gary Park said he likes all of them. John Gross, Cowboy will run away with this, and it's a great song, but so is Easy Come, Easy Go. And then Ger- Gerard Angelo responded with Coming At You Live. Our buddy Steve said, could pick just about anything from this. A very special album indeed. So many amazing tracks on it, but Modern Day Cowboy is just a notch above the rest and better than just about anything else released that time. It's that good. Nige Savage. Haven't listened to the episode yet, but always thought Tesla was a class act. I think they arrived in the scene just a little too late. If they started on 83, 84 and kept the quality up, they could have been as big as crew or rat, etc. Maybe Sean Hammond. I listened to it because I love the show, but I didn't really like any of it. Tesla is great. I saw them open a few times and five man acoustical jam was great, but studio records. Nah. Wow. That's not that's not something you hear about Tesla a lot, but that's cool. J.D.B. Russell, great album. Seen them live many times, and Frank Hannon is the best. Plays everything perfect. I agree with that. Frank Hannon is awesome. Fritz Von Bufu. This is hilarious right here. Solid debut, but nowhere near Night Songs, Faster Pussycat, or Look What the Cat Dragged In. Sonny, I need you to respond on that. Uh, Fritz, can you send your passport and prove that you are a real person? (laughs) And yeah. then he can, and then his then his follow up response is, "Hey, Sonny Pooney, this is what a perfect lead off track sounds like." And then he then he attaches the link to "Is That You" by Kiss of Unmasked. That's terrible. <laughs> wow. It, just for the record, yes, Bufo, it means a dummy in Greek. <laughs> so Fritz von Dummy. Yeah, like okay. it, it's like a kid's word of saying somebody's stupid. Like a oh, dumb dumb. I like that. We're gonna have to start using that word. What are you, a buffo? Stop being a buffo. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then let's get to the proper uh the 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 actual episode post on Twitter here again. 
Uh, our buddy Tony from Restrained just got to the part where Zeus loses his shit after modern day cowboy. I'm dying. He sounds like Aunt Bunny calling for Lillian after she fell down the steps. Almost every year. Ever have a heavy set aunt fall down the steps? Make a whole lot of fucking noise. It's scary too, because they be calling Jesus on the way down. And aunts don't like to fall straight down the steps like a kid. They be trying to break the fall and hold it and stop the shit. And that just make the fall take a half hour then. Real loud, you're like... Lord Jesus Christ, help me, Lord, please, Jesus, please. Jesus, God, help me, Lord, Jesus, help me. I'm falling down the steps, oh, Lord, Jesus Christ, please. My shoe. Oh, Lord, Jesus Christ, help me. I'm halfway down now, help me, Lord, The bitch is falling down the steps again. Oh, 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 Lillian, Lillian, what's wrong, Bunny? I fell down the steps. Oh, Bunny fell down the steps. Bunny fell down the steps. Eddie, go get your aunt Bunny something cool for her head. What happened? Bunny fell down the steps. Oh my God! And then he says, uh, "I love Tesla, hometown heroes. We've played with Frank Hannon before, but not Tesla yet. Still waiting for that call." And Twisted Kister and Zeus had a lot of comments again, again about the generally speaking about the album. DG from Tennessee, great choice. Looking forward to this one. No, Tony, then Tony comments on Sonny Pooney singing "Changes" at the top of his lung in three different keys on multiple occasions, usually on the ride home from the bar. Oh man, I read that one. I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and Todd Harrig, so happy you guys picked this album, but I didn't realize that Tom and Zeus being youngsters would love it as much as you did. I can't tell you how many mixtapes began with one or two or three Tesla mechanical resident songs, easily hundreds and listen to this. And I still love it. Darren, our buddy Darren said, I'll be listening tonight. Well, hopefully he did. Uh, then metal old guy jumps in and says, poison sucks. Okay. Uh, informative. Uh, Bada Bing 1968 says, I just started listening to this album review podcast. I love this album. Looks like a long podcast. Yes, you are correct. Uh, our friend Wesley Beach, who always comments on the Kiss podcasts uh, episodes, he says, I never was a Tesla fan. Sorry. Hey, Wes, no apologies needed. You like what you like, buddy. Um, Steve, big fan of the album, puts modern day cowboy first before my eyes last. Uh, has Mechanical Residence third for his covers and second behind Slide It In for albums overall. Then the great Mistress Carrie from the old days over at WAAF in Boston, who's also oh, a fellow oh. Pantheon podcaster, jumped in and said, I love this album. So lots of cool feedback from Twitter. Uh, Zeus, got some uh, Facebook stuff we want to talk about, too? All right. All right. Uh, Facebook. Over at Loudcasters, Graham Richley says, got to love an album review that is three times longer than the album. Oh, yes. 
I just realized and twice as long as the Super Bowl. <laughs> I just realized that next time I fly from Australia to the U.S., which is about fifteen hours, I might just be able to squeeze in five shouted out loud cast <laughs> episodes if I allow for no breaks. Enjoyed the episode. This uh, Tesla are clearly a talented band and one I've been a little exposed to, but for me. The singer's voice is what stops them from making it to the top grade. They could have done with Chris Robinson in his prime. Great episode again. Plenty of laughs. Interesting take. Chris Robinson, I'm assuming, is the guy from uh, Black Crows. Black Crows. Yeah, Yeah, I think Jeff has got a better voice, I'll be honest with you. Well, uh, Chris Robinson's very similar. I mean, Chris Robinson's got an awesome voice, but... Yeah, they're similar enough where I, w- I wouldn't, you know. Yeah, I think they're very similar. Yeah, well, yeah, yes. Robinson has a little more soul in his voice. So that's, yep. that's probably a little more is, blues. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeff probably has a little bit more rasp to it, you know, a little yeah. more throaty than Chris, but yeah. Oh, God. Uh oh. Oh, God. Matt Wallace. Awesome pick. Tesla is so underrated. Bridget Fonda. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Here we go. I want to kiss her in the pisser and hump her in the dumper. <laughs> you do know she's a man, right? Well, there goes. I think that might be the comment of the week. Th- those are going to be the new Shout It Out Loudcast bumper stickers we're going to get made. I met Sonny at Rockin' Pod 2 in Nashville. Uh-oh. And as, oh, okay. as John King, the resident director at Stonehill College, said, is that a positive thing? <laughs> I know. Was he saying that because it was good or no? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Stephen Wood. I only heard it yesterday for the first time. I didn't think much of it. I will keep it. I'll keep trying. But the overuse of pinch harmonics and whammy is enough to make me tear my ears off. Yeah, uh, he needs to settle yeah. down. That's that's 80s American hard rock there. I, I, I mean, I understand what the point he's trying to make, but. There's nothing that sticks out on Mechanical Resonance that you don't hear on any other 80s hard rock hair metal album, Sonny. Then, yeah, there's a there's Whammy Bar. There's no doubt. Pinch of course there is. I don't, know, I don't know if there's that many of that. Like, go listen to a Black Label Society album. Okay, I got you. You know, Zach, yeah. cut it out. Like, can he, you cut it, back it off by about 60%, right? But yes. I love those pinch harmonics. I always have. Yep. Restraint used a lot of those, too. I love them. Yeah. Is that wait a minute? Let me take that back. Restrain uses a lot of them. So, Sonny, is that a positive? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, when when Tony hits it, he raises the neck to cover his face. So, yes. Okay, so you can't. So that's the time of the show you can't see him. It's also the time yeah. of the show where we remember that we forgot to thank him for our opener again. <laughs> oh, wearing a shirt. What do you want? Well, nobody can see your shirt, but hey, hey, it, it, look, we're 15 minutes in. We finally brought up Tony. It's better than nothing at all. It's better yeah, than not at all. Fuck him. Exactly. Right. Fuck we love you, buddy. Fucking Tony. Settle down. <laughs> Settle down, God of War. <laughs> He's actually going to end up being part of this album review. He just doesn't even know it yet because there's a part that hits him in here. Oh, all good. Right. Okay. okay. Adam Nickmeyer. No grunge, actual rock music. Hooray. Oh, oh nice. Okay. <laughs> yes, Nick. Yes. 
Matt Wallace again, who's on a roll these days. Zeus, that record scratching uh, bit by Dougie Fresh, in your words, is actually playing a guitar effect. And as you all talked about the huge Van Halen fans, specifically Eddie Van Halen, listen to Atomic Punk. Yep. Mike Haynes. Love this band. Got to meet them once, and it was with the new guitarist Dave Rude. But all of them were awesome. Cool. Kevin Northern. The references to Tony, Tony, Tone, Silk, and Keith Sweat were great. (laughs) and reminded me of this. Remember, anyone remember Orin Juice? The last part of this song is hilarious. Another great episode. Yeah, when I I saw you and me walking in the rain and and the song ends, it goes, me, you without me is like cornflake without the milk. (laughs) (laughs) He has the YouTube clip of that, too. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Dan Thomas, a great debut, probably only taught by Psychotic Supper. And any other opinions out there? And And a couple other people jumped in as well. Uh, Brian Lee Hecht, love this record. David Steggers, freaking awesome record. Kevin Jepson, oh my God, listening to Zeus lose his mind laughing was the best. I forgot how awesome this debut is. Wow. My bottom three would be Before My Eyes, Cover Queen, We're No Good. My top three would be Easy Come, Easy Go, Changes in Modern Day. Can't stop listening to this now. Thanks, guys. Um, Changes should no be nowhere near your number two, buddy. It's a great song. Oh, uh, Brian Harris. I LOL through this episode. There you go. That's good. Bill Zwertz. One of the commenters said in the podcast that Tev Tesla was never docking. I'll have to challenge that because Tesla was just as big as docking. Neither were arena headliners, and I would guess that Tesla has just the same amount of platinum albums. In fact, Tesla has a double platinum album with great radio controversies, as well as a top 15 single. Two things I don't think Dawkins ever achieved. I can see how Tesla was never at the level of Motley Crue, GNR, Poison, but they were firmly entrenched in that second tier, along with, yes, Dawkins. Mm. Who said they were and Dawkins? today, I don't know, I but today, they're bigger than Dawkins. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. they, they attract a bigger crowd and they make more money. Dawkins out there playing for like 17 um, grand a night. To get yeah. uh, but Don Dawkins is bigger than the whole band these days. He's oh, not yeah. looking. Yeah. He's he, taking like three first, three fourths of the money, three fourths of the catering, three fourths of the jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He ain't looking good. <laughs> no. He's looking like he ate Tesla. Pretty uh, much. Yeah. So that is um, Facebook. Okay. Over on YouTube. Marty White, love the retro vibe of that new logo. And that is our Shout It Out Loudcast, the album review crew logo with Sonny Hollywood Pooney, mm-hmm. designed by the next commenter, Ed Spangenberg. Great review, guys. I also really love the new logo. Kick ass. <laughs> uh, Ed designed it. Ed does an awesome job. We all, we all love Ed over at clicktshop.com. K-L-I-C-K-T-E-E-S-H-O-P.com. Get all your shouted out loud cast gear and kiss inspired gear over at Ed at clicktshop.com. See? Smart man, Ed. Keep talking on uh, our mm-hmm. social media. You'll get another uh pimping advertisement from us. <laughs> uh one other thing I want to bring up, and this is we don't I don't usually check this. 
that often, but once in a while I do. We had a comment on our Instagram page, Tom, and uh, that's from Dave Dave Fett. I don't know any relation to Boba Fett, but just listened to this one the other day. Still sounded just as good as it did back in the day. Yes, it did. Yeah, our Instagram page, uh, please go over there, subscribe. We do put up uh, interesting photos, including uh, episode uh, photos for each of these album review crew episodes. So Mm -hmm. that's something we also do. You could also find. So that's it for uh, Instagram. Tom, over to you. Um, so I'm going to go before Sonny has a couple of emails, but I'm going to read one. And this is from our friend, Brad Rusthoven. This is an email that is related to the singles, uh, uh album review that we did a, a while back and I missed it. And I wanted to give him the credit he deserves to read it because it's a good, it's a nice, long, funny email. So, uh, regarding the single soundtrack review, he says, great episode guys, 13 bonus episodes in, and the variety of the albums reviewed has been great. You got metal, hard rock, hair bands, and grunge. I look forward to a country album from Zeus, a hip hop album from Tom, and either a Hall & Oates or Prince album from Sonny at some point. Oh, maybe. On these bonus episodes, you guys rank the songs from the albums discussed, the bonus album covers, and the albums themselves. I decided to rank the top 10 jaw-dropping quotes from Sonny on this episode. Number 10. The only reason Birth Ritual isn't higher ranked is due to the 43-second intro. Number 9. I don't know about this replacements shit. Number eight, (laughs) number eight, I don't like anything about the Smashing Pumpkins. Number seven, I remember the exact date I heard the soundtrack for the first time. It was November 19th, 2020. Number six, the Battle of Evermore is boring. Number five, Bridget Fonda's not hot. She's a boy. (laughs) Number four, Pearl Jam 10 should be called Pearl Jam 2. Number three, Chloe Dancer Crown of Thorns is painful to get through. Number two, I effing hate the Beatles. And number one, number 12 for me is Chloe. And if it wasn't for Billy Corgan, it would have been the 13th. Nah, come on. The most accurate thing Sonny said on the entire episode was that Dave is a good movie. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Then he says, regarding the singles movie, it's good, not great. I thought it was a decent representation of the early 90s. Zeus, you were spot on with this movie possibly being the genesis of the sitcom Friends. Yeah, I think there's actually... That, that's actually some proof behind that too uh regarding the soundtrack i'm the same age as tom and zeus tom you've said this before going to college during grunge's heyday was special that genre of music was unavoidable whether it was being played in the campus bars or at parties it was everywhere single soundtrack was huge and i still remember the first time i heard it i was a sophomore at drake university in des moines and one of my friends drove us to omaha to see the rush roll the bones tour in 1992 on the way back, he put on the single soundtrack. I was in and out of sleep during the ride home, but loved what I heard. Went out and bought it, and here are my top five songs. And he lists Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, Nearly Lost You, Battle of Evermore, Breath, and Dyslexic Heart. Love the show, Brad. Thank you, buddy. Awesome. Sorry we missed that the first time, but uh, we're giving you the credit now. And then before we move over to Sonny reading his emails, we got a couple of short Facebook DMs about Tesla. And this is from Rick Rarer. He said, love the bonus episodes. This was another good one. Never listened to Tesla a ton, but enjoy their hit. So I will definitely give this a spin. Tom, I have to agree 100% on Seinfeld and The Office. So I'll be ordering that book ASAP. I hope it makes me as rock hot as it has for you. That's in regard to that Office book that we talked about. Uh, and then Craig Moran, uh, big fan of the show. He says, love the, love the first episode under the album review crew moniker. Great name. I was thrilled to hear you were doing one of Tesla's albums. They're one of my favorites from the 80s. 
I always felt they were unfairly lumped into the hair metal category. Sure, they had a lot of hair, but their albums had more substance than and were head and shoulders over most, if not all, of the other bands in the category. They kind of lost me after Tommy Skio. Yeah, we got a lot of hits on the mispronunciation of his name. Skiach? Yeah. Yeah. Skiach. <laughs> they've been st- they've been stuck in mid-tempo purgatory ever since. They should stick to touring with Phil Collin and keep him away from the producer's chair. Absolutely agree with that, Craig. Mechanical Residence came out when I was in eighth grade. A friend of mine would play it all the time. I got to see them touring for this album when they opened up for Def Leppard and Hysteria. Great double bill. While Great Radio Controversy is probably my favorite album from them, Mechanical Residence is phenomenal. Top to bottom, no clunkers. They can do it all, rocker or ballad. For me, Getting Better is my favorite, a great driving song. Sorry for the long messages, but the albums you pick really get me going. By the way, Type O Negative is a pretty solid band. Worth checking out. Eh, I don't know. I don't know anything about them other than I know people like them a lot. But uh, So there's some Facebook DMs. Sonny, we got a couple emails, and then uh, I think we can move on. All right. So the first email is from our buddy Steve Wright. Hey, guys. I like Tesla. They're good. Do you like Tesla? I think they're good, too. Excellent bonus episode. Fun as usual. I'm glad that you guys did this amazing album. My intro to the band was seeing them live opening for Dave Lee Roth in New York in 87. Andy Taylor was supposed to be the opener and for whatever reason canceled. We were standing in line in 10 degree weather and someone said some band called Tesla was opening. They had never heard of them. The lights went down. Spotlight goes on Frank Hannon and he starts to shred and then switches to Tommy and they kick into coming at you live. And basically he's a fan forever. Did I mention that I like Tesla? How about you? Do you like Tesla? <laughs> I think they're good too. I think he's like, he, he'd hit that little like rhyming poem and he wanted to say it twice is basically what that is. <laughs> and he said, PS fuck grunge. So oh, you gotta down, love the Steve. PS. Stop it. Yeah. And then the next one is from Stephen Wood. And we're going to give you the, the front part of it and the back part of it. Cause the middle is a Rolling Stone article, but hi, Tom and Zeus. What? No sunny. Fuck you, Stephen Wood. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Here is the email I was not going to send based on how much shit I thought you'd give me for my strong opinions, which I'm happy to back up. Bear in mind, I was not a fan of Appetite for Destruction when I first heard it either, and now I love it, of course. So that was the beginning of that email. And then at the end, he says, conclusion, the production is good. They're trying a lot of things. Some work, some don't. They're obviously solid musicians. I like the rhythm, guitar tone, and the lead tone, but damn, those pinch harmonics settle down. Again with that. that. Yeah, I know. Based on my initial thoughts, I would definitely give the album fighting chance. I estimate another five to six listens before I form a definite opinion, a definitive opinion. Okay. Now, time to listen to your review episode. Thank you for your time and being the best podcast in the snodgrass. What's snodgrass? I don't know what that is. Uh, it must be from where he's from or something. I don't know. This ain't a geography friggin' podcast here, so figure it out on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Love you. <laughs> Love you. All right, so I guess that's feedback, correct? Uh, we covered all the bases there. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, direct messages, emails. Bingo, huh? What? 617. <laughs> I think Zeus is doing his taxes right now while we're doing this. <laughs> I'm doing a Dan Shaughnessy. <laughs> balancing your checkbook and cutting my toenail. Dropping a little soundbite. I'm contributing. <laughs> That's from Murph. No, man. I apologize. Yes. So uh, we're now going to move on to the actual album. Now uh, we just did the group pick. 
Now it's Tom's pick. Tom chose this album. Want to tell us why? Yeah. So we talked about this before. When we do individual picks, we like to pick albums that obviously we like, but kind of albums that are maybe personal to us, maybe albums that you don't think everybody knows or likes, albums that are important to you. And I know people are going to be like, how the fuck is Ingve Malmsteen's Odyssey important to anybody? Well, I'll tell you why. So this, when this album came out in, in 1988, um, it w- I was a freshman in high school and I was into eighties hard rock and like, and hair metal, like everybody else. And I came across this album. I think I was exposed to it for the first time by heaven tonight. I think that was it. But at this time I was really into like instrumental, like, like real prolific, like musicianship type of rock. I was listening to a lot of rush, a lot of instrumentals on rush. I was listening to like the Metallica stuff and I gravitated towards the instrumental stuff on Metallica. So I, I got this album and it just checked off a lot of the boxes that I really like about the kind of music that I'm into. It had, you know, the, the classical influences that Ingve's famous for. Um, it had the, 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 the solid production, you know, the hard rock borderline metal production. It had great vocals that were, that were for the, of the time. So it kind of checked off, you know, it had some melodic hard rock It had some metal influences, had some instrumental influences. And the other thing too, when you're a 15 year old kid, you like to like things that are different. You know, this was different. Nobody really, I had, I think I had two friends in high school that knew who Ingve Malmsteen were. So it was like my album. And even to this day, I don't know a lot of people that like this particular album. Of course, everybody knows Ingve Malmsteen, but you know, I know Sonny, you're a fan of a lot of this stuff. I think Zeus, you are too, but this is just an album that to this day, I listen to this in regular rotation and preparing for the album review. I still love the album. We're going to talk about some of the pros and cons. I'm sure you guys have a lot more cons than pros. Maybe not. Uh, but this is just an album that it's uh, it's just important to me. And I've been a bit a fan of it since it was released in, in 1988. So I was ex- excited to talk about it. Yeah. For me, I own everything in Bay. I got it all. Um, yep. I was a fan at the trilogy record, which is his third record. I saw him live a couple of times at the clubs. Uh, you know, Jeff Scott Soto was his lead singer. That's uh, Jeff was one of the first professional musicians I'd ever met. And so there was this piece of, Jeff that was always connected to Ingve and Ingve felt like kind of the first uh I guess shredder guitarist I was kind of getting into at the time. Mm-hmm. Um I was waiting for this album to come out. Uh, I got it on day 1 because I worked in uh, the music and movies areas in uh electronics. So uh I got it the day it came out and always loved it. I've seen Ingve live many times. I saw this tour. Tony and I uh, they black and blue opened Lita was support. Ingve was headlining wow. and it was a last minute decision. Tone and I, we got no tickets. We go to the box office at the uh, Conquer pavilion. And before we go up to the box office, some dude hands us tickets for free. Nice. And you know, capacity is like 12,000 in that place. So that's where kiss used to play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, during the non makeup and kind of two thousands, uh, I remember seeing him live, uh, in the clubs and then seeing him live in this, uh, kind of like a arena theater type setting. And in 88, he was doing this move, dude. He would, he's playing guitar. He'd throw the pickup in the air, do a 360 and kick it off of his boot into the crowd. Yep. And me and Tony like, what the hell is going on? Paul Stanley's (laughs) not even doing that, man. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just spitting them out. Yep. Um, now, many people will say, like, if they're when they're talking about Alice Cooper, that you know, '80s is the best Alice, or '90s is the best Alice. I would tell you, Ingve, it's like '85 to '95 is probably the best Ingve. I own it all. It's not all great. And to see him live now is a little bit of a joke. So I just sent you guys this picture again. (laughs) This is from Monsters of Rock Cruise pre-party two years ago. And you can see there's like 70 cabinets and heads. (laughs) Yep. Notice where the keyboardist is staged on the stage. He is on the, when you're facing the stage, he's on the left-hand side. (laughs) The bass player's on the left-hand side. The drummer is on the left-hand side. They're all on the side of the cabinets. The singer is singing and playing keyboards. And then you got Ingve on the entire rest of the stage. So the other band members are not allowed on the rest of the stage. But that has become see, see a that, joke of itself. But see, that picture is is perfect. Is is a, is perfect because we'll, we'll we'll cover a little bit of bass about Ingve personally. But that if somebody's like, oh, tell me about Ingve. Look at this picture. That's him right there. But Dan, we'll put this okay. picture when we release the episode. I'll put the picture on the episode so everybody can see it. But the, perfect. Yeah, the, I took this going. You've got nobody's going to believe me. Let me take this picture real quick. Yeah, it's like a spinal tap type of thing. Yeah. Yep. Zeus. All right, so Ingve Malmsteen, I will tell you, uh, Tom, I probably got into him before you. Okay. Probably not as early as Sonny, but um, I used to run and get those, either a circus or a hit parade or whatever was coming out every week. So there was always an Ingve Malmsteen, like, little advertisement. Mm-hmm. And to say that image sells, oh, it's yeah. true. I would see this. I, I remember seeing old kicks. uh album uh, commercials in there and it's like what the fuck is this band but there were times if you saw a band and they gave you the image or the impression that this band was similar to these other bands you got interested so this guy was always advertised as kind of like oh my goodness this new guitar rock but he plays like hard rock what's now deemed hair metal but hard rock music that i would like so I'll give it a try. Which one did I get? I got Trilogy when it came out. And I liked it. And I was like, holy shit. This guitarist is fucking insane. But then I'm like, what is this like concerto shit in the middle of this classical? Like, like this is, in, this is insanity. Then when um, all of a sudden he got his new album out. And Joe Lynn Turner was attached to this. I was like, holy shit. He finally smartened up and got somebody that I know. And he's going to make like a pop, like a rock pop metal kind of an album. I got pumped. I went out and got it the first day, I think. It, I, if you guys haven't heard me talk much about this, but I'm a huge Rainbow fan. Mm-hmm. And not the one that all the critics like. <laughs> not the deal Rainbow fan, which all those real Rainbow fans, fanatics love. I like the Graham Bonnet, Joey Lynn Turner fucking version, which, which can actually make good songs. And, um, you know, the, uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, Malmsteen reminds me of Richie Blackmore. And when they put Joey Lynn Turner in his band, this was the closest I had to, you know, my favorite kind of version of rainbow. 
and there's many similarities to this. And uh, we all know Richie's is kind of idol or hero. So uh, why not pick his singer for his gram, for his group? So I, I jumped on this. I bought it when it came out. Um, and I'll tell you my thoughts as we go through. Yeah, you bring up a couple of great points. First of all, Richie Blackmore it was like, like you said, Ingve's idol, massive influence on on him. And you know, you brought up trilogy. So I I went backwards with the with the Ingve catalog, like a lot of people do. Like so, I I knew who he was, and um, I got trilogy, and I was like, no, this is not this is not what I want out of this band because. We Zeus and I make these jokes all the time and Sonny, you know about them too. To me, trilogy with the different vocalists with Mark Bowles and even back with marching out with Jeff Scott Soto musically different albums produced dramatically different than Odyssey, but vocally those albums really fall into like the dungeons and dragons, like wizard metal. Now we're going to get into Odyssey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think a song like The Queen is in Love is about medieval music? Well, like, uh, right. Oh, and, and, I was say, Dungeons isn't? <laughs> and I was just going to say that too, Stunny, that we, we, when we get into Odyssey, lyrically, yes, there are some things. Of course, Riot in the Dungeons and, you know, Crystal Ball, Deja Vu. <laughs> but but the thing the thing that really turns the, the tide for me on Odyssey is what Zeus brought up, is that Joe Lynn Turner brings a different sound to this album that Jeff Scott Soto and Mark Bowles didn't bring. I know Sonny loves Jeff Scott Soto and that's, and that's great to me. Those guys provide a different vocal style. The, and the music was different on marching out in trilogy too. this out al- that the album, the, the way the songs were written and especially the production on Odyssey with Jolyn Turner's vocal stylings and his, his melodic type of, of hard rock singing with the range I think it just checked off everything I wanted to hear in 1988. Um, that's why I don't really go back and listen to Trilogy. I don't really list, go back and listen to Marching Out that much. Musically, yeah, they're good. But I think Odyssey just has everything I want in that kind of album. And I love I love Rainbow Joe Lynn Turner, too. I mean, I love the guy's voice. I could listen to him sing anything. Yeah, the story on Turner. So there's three albums before this one, right? Yep. Jeff's on the first two albums. He's not happy with the money he's making. Ingbe's not going to pay him anymore. Just like I'm out. They get this guy, Mark Bowles. There's some drama live. So Mark Bowles is bounced. Jeff gets a little more money, comes and finishes off the tour. They're sitting around him. Uh, Ingve and his manager, Andy, are sitting in his house one day and goes, Ingve goes, uh, Hey, isn't wait a second. Rainbow Joe's not in rainbow anymore. What do you think he's doing? And Andy goes, well, we call him up and that was it. That's how he got in the band. Imagine. <laughs> I mean, Joe Lynn Turner is one of the most, I mean, you know him from Rainbow, and I hope when people listen to this episode, I'm sure they know him from this album. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know a lot about Joe Lynn Turner's background. I just know that pretty much everything he does during that 80s period, I loved. Um, but yeah, he was like one of those guys that kind of like a man without a country just went from different bands and different things, couldn't really find a home. But again, he was also working with two of the biggest assholes in hard rock and Richie Blackmore and Ingvay Malmsteen. Could you imagine like if he got like a normal guitar play? That, that's like, what, what I'm saying. What do you, what do you mean? You're not, what do you mean? You don't need like a, a break from everybody to have your own peaceful. Like, what do you mean? Why aren't you throwing shit at the drummer? 
Why did you exactly. scream it at like the the tour manager? Like well, you're right. normal. I don't get it. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think that I think and I think that's the thing, uh, Sonny. I'm sure you have st- stuff to add about Joel Lynn Turner's you know background and how he bounced around a little. Yeah. But I I, I got to believe it had something to do with some of the artists he was s- surrounded by. All I remember yeah, before you jump in, Sonny. Uh, all yeah. I remember about Joel Lynn Turner's seeing a couple documentaries and and then hearing from the um, famous uh, photographer, uh, Ross Halfren. Oh, yeah. Yep. And him calling him Jolene and oh, mocking God. him and, like, making it seem like, you know, he's in the Paul Stanley kind of pouty and, you know, yeah, sensitive lead singer kind of mold. But everybody loved his fucking singing. Mm-hmm. Singing was incredible. Go listen to fucking... I surrender and other great can't happen here. Holy shit. He's got a yep. vocal vocals on him. Yep. So I, I, I just, that's what I remember that he was kind of like seen as kind of like a Paul Stanley type without kiss behind him. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Joe rainbow is really what gave him the break. Right. Cause after yep. he's done here, he gets a call from foreigner to see if you, they want to replace him with uh, replace Lou Graham. He gets a call from Bad Company because I don't think they were happy, happy with Brian Howe. And then he ended up taking the job with Deep Purple, right, in 89. So mm-hmm. he was in Deep Purple for a few years. It's interesting. Yes, he has worked for some asses. There's no doubt. Joe is not a peach either, right? <laughs> sure. When you're out there. So when you're out there in the media, and this is why you said you left Ingve, it was a religious dispute. In, he elaborated by saying, Ingve thought he was God, and I didn't. <laughs> well, it, it, God bless him. That's a great line. That is a great line. That is a great. And if you and if you've ever heard any of Jolyn Turner's interviews, he's he, he's kind of recently been making the rounds on some things. He is he is. I mean, seriously speaking, he is a very spiritual guy, very faith based. So, you know, Ingve is so egocentric and egomaniacal, but again, most superstars can be like that. I can see a personality conflict arising between the two of them for sure. And they're partying hard too. Like in, in Ingve's book, they're talking about both of them are drinking heavy. Yep. I mean, they're partying hell of hard and they're kind of bumping heads the entire recording process because of it. Right. So yep. that's not helping the matter as much. Now, I don't know if you guys know, but, uh, Joe just recovered from COVID. So it's nice to hear yes. that Joe's healthy and he's good. So all that yep. is good. I don't know if I agree with what he says, how COVID got released. We won't get into that, but <laughs> Joe's a good guy. Yeah. He is faith-based. There's no doubt. Yeah. He's an Italian. Don't, don't look at the last name Turner, his stage name. Oh, that, his that, last that. name is Liquito. Exactly. He looks hey. like fucking like old school Italian guy. He does. Hey, anybody know kill Joey Liquido? Hey, hey, Joey. Anybody seen Richie? Anybody, anybody seen Bobby Lupo? No kill Bobby Lupo, Joey Liquido. Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? <laughs> hey, you, tattoo. You ain't from around the neighborhood. <laughs> Worst fucking acting movie I've ever seen in my life. Wait, you say it's Steven Seagal? Can't, <laughs> can't, can't, can't do it? He doesn't have the chops? Dude. I remember reading the review and I was like too young because I thought all his movies were actually like it was like an F minus at like Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. And they're like, F- this is they like this is the poster child for for police brutality. And then you look <laughs> back at the movies, he's like, Hey, you seen him? And then he takes some guy's head and smash it off the bar. Yeah. 
walking around like fucking slapping people in the head and kicking them downstairs. I love those old cigar movies, but not very politically correct. No, no. Yeah. And Seagal, as he got older, as the movies got older, he got every fatter. move got a little slower. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> the top moves are a little slow motion. Yep, yep. Yeah. But those movies back, Bobby Lupo and all that shit. But anyways, uh, going back to Jolyn Turner, uh, much respect to him. So teaming yep. these two up, I had the same feeling as you did, Tom. Like, wow, this is going to be great. Yep. And they start off with the first, and that is the single, so... You know, that's how that's that's that definitely got us going the yep. excitement. So let's get into the album cover. Um, we know about this poor man's ego. <laughs> the album says Ingve J. Malmsteen's Rising Force, which I have trouble figuring out which of his albums say Rising Force or just his name, but this says Rising Force Odyssey. And there's a picture of him holding his famous Strat on the cover. Yep. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because, look, I don't mind the album cover. It's 1988. I mean, it's quite a step down from Trilogy, where Trilogy is one of the most, uh, to me, I think it's one of the fucking coolest album covers in the world. He's fighting a three-headed dragon with with flames and shit. That's really cool. Yeah, Tom, that's not a very... Dungeons and Dragon like Oh it is <laughs> Oh it is He's but got a Three headed dragon Attacking him With his guitar As his weapon of choice Like his sword I like, I like it It's cool <laughs> Yeah but th- but this album cover You know And it's interesting too Because you know You talk about the strat And it's funny because the, Historically speaking I, I'm, I'm, This is a general comment here The Strat is like a blues-based guitar, you know, Clapton and Jeff Beck and those guys. To see like a shredder use a Strat is like, because like Joe Satriani uses like an Ibanez and you got, it it was just interesting to see that. I think of Blackmore, Tommy. I think of Blackmore. Yeah. As soon as I see this guitar, I think of Richie Blackmore and, and Richie is the complete opposite. I know this is his idol. Complete yeah. opposite. If you ever see any rainbow videos or even Deep Purple, he looks like he can't be bothered. He's like on a rocking chair. Like, well, it, it's funny because his fingers are going nuts, but his face isn't even moving, making an expression. You wouldn't think he's rocking out. You think he's doing nothing. He's like the Eric Singer of guitarists. Yeah, he looks bored. Versus Ingve, oh, you think Ingve is shooting fucking bottle rockets out of his ass when he's yep. playing this, like doing all sorts of. Skippity doodah fucking winger moves and yep. all sorts of crazy shit versus his idol who just fucking tears it up yep. but doesn't even blink. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a good point. No, and again, I know that there's plenty of people that use the strat, but it's usually not seen as like the shredder guitar for but but him using it, that that's a, that's his iconic that's his iconic weapon of choice. And uh, you know, the album cover it it, it is it's you know whatever it, it, the back of it's hilarious it looks like a, a police lineup of 80s hair metal guys you know <laughs> it's got it's got it NBA. looks like it looks like the sedine twins from the fucking vancouver canucks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and then jolyn turner seriously looks like he could have been on the back cover of animal eyes with that face and hairdo oh yeah oh, you know what yes you know, yes, yeah, he definitely <laughs> does but the other thing he looks like on the cover the way the image is kind of like graphics and stuff i like it looks like it's the fucking lead singer from europe absolutely he does yes right tempest yeah yeah Yeah. it's the same picture as the one on the back it's just like 
It's like a weird copy of the one on the back. Yeah, they used almost like they used some kind of like a filter to give it a little bit of an effect, which I think is better because that front co- that back picture, nobody wants to see that. C- cover that yeah. up with some effects for the front okay. cover. Let's be yeah. blunt. Now they could have used the interior one. Oh yeah. The problem is Yen's hips are a little, I don't know, girly. So <laughs> they can't use that on a rock album. Well, take a look at this. So on my CD, I'm assuming the same as on your yeah. album. Yep, yep. It has the pictures of the three previous album covers. Yep, it does. Okay. First of all, every one of those album covers looks pretty cool. They like look awesome. Rising Force with the guitar coming out of the fire and he's holding it up. Yep. Um, marching out, he looks badass in that pose. Yep. Like he's like on, he's like somebody on stage, really, you know, rocking out. And then there's the iconic. Dungeons and Dragon deals turning over in his grave that he didn't think of it cover. Yep. And then this is what such a departure it is. But can we comment? The, can we comment on Jolyn Turner's black leather bathrobe or whatever the hell he's wearing in that picture <laughs> on the inside? <laughs> on the inside yeah. picture. <laughs> and another thing too, if you look at the picture, the pose on the cover of Marching Out, and then the illustrative picture on Trilogy. That is, I'll tell you, I don't know what it is. That is like his trademark pose, and I just think it looks badass when he's doing it on stage. The way yeah. he, the way he it's leans, Leningrad too. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe because it's just unique, and you don't see a lot of guitar players doing that. But when I was watching some YouTube clips, some concert footage, I, I don't know. I just think it looks badass to me. I think it's a now, cool. It's like a unique thing that nobody else does. Want to go back a quick step to that group photo? Yeah. The, I'm assuming that's a guy. <laughs> They're all guys. They're all guys. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. That's a keyboard player, dude. That's yeah. the keyboard player. Bon Jovi is asking this man how he got his jeans so tight. Yeah, because he is fucking drooling to see how quick, how tight that guy. And they jeans look are. like hip hop. Yeah, yeah. The guy Joe Lynn Turner looks like Rocky Three fucking stunt double. He looks like Sylvester Stallone in 1983. It is he, fucking. He looked what? He looks like a movie star. I mean, look, look. I mean, you know, he looks. He's like a good-looking guy. And in 1988, like he looked like a like he looked like a cool dude. He <laughs> looks like he should be in a scene from Donnie Brasco. Yes. When Al Pacino's walking out and and talking to him, how he should get rid of that mustache and <laughs> and all that stuff, and they're walking yeah, dress like he, I dress. Yeah, yeah dress like I dress. Yeah. What, what are you doing with this wallet? Get that out of here, you wise guy. Yeah, listen, what are you a cowboy? Well, speaking of cowboy, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Ingve's amazing snakeskin boots he's wearing. Oh, Oh, those are awesome! Oh, I love it! I love it! Such a such a snapshot of what was going on in in that time. High snakeskin (laughs) boots. He he was all over Joe Lynn Turner, like a like a cheap suit. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the album cover. Let's get into the album specifics. Okay. So the album is coming off of Trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was the previous album. He gets he keeps the same two uh Sedin twin brothers. <laughs> yep. Jens Johansson and Anders Johansson. Anders on drum. Jens is like the keyboard guy who's they're both pretty proficient, I would say. Dude, pretty good. The oh, keyboardist yeah. is freaking spectacular. We will talk both, about that. Both of them. They have to be to be able to keep up with Ingve because there's no rhythm guitar track. So if they're right. not there, 
it gets ugly quick. Yep. Yeah. I, be- I believe that. And he added, obviously, Joe Lynn Turner for the vocals. So yep. this is his fourth studio album. It was released April 8th, 1988, Polydor Records. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't believe he made it all the way up to number 40 on the charts. And it's his highest charted release as of, you know, today. Yep. So it has 12 tracks. It's Ingve, So, you know, there's at least three instrumentals. <laughs> yep. um, and there's no mention of whether this is gold or platinum or whatever. But I guess it, it would have to be gold. My guess is it's a gold album. I'm lo- I'm just for now. I just checked Wikipedia. I'm only assuming. Has, yeah, it only has you, Japan and Sweden. Yeah, but if you go top two hundred at some point, you went up the number forty. Would you think you had to have been gold? You, you know, would, you would think. Yeah, yeah. And this is his best selling <clears throat> album. Yep. And yeah. another 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 interesting factoid too is uh, involved in the production was Jeff Glixman who was involved in uh, Paul Stanley's solo album in 1978. So he had, he had a little hand in, uh, in producing this too. And Jeff Glixman is also known for being involved in a lot of proggy type of stuff, ton more well-known for Kansas, some ELO stuff. And of course, Ingve, but he's also done black Sabbath and uh, a bunch of, he did a Saxon album. If anybody's excited about that, Sonny. Yeah. Not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, producing the album was Ingve himself, Jeff yep. Glitzman, and Jim Lewis. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one thing before we get into the tracks I want to discuss, because you said that there is something um, different. And that is usually when we go into each song, I always mention who does the songwriting. For this whole album, it says all songs written by Joe Lynn Turner. Now, if I'm not mistaken, all previous albums, song lyrics were written by Ingve himself, correct? Uh, some were written by Jeff, but uh, yeah, Ingve did most of the writing. But he had the writing. He was the main contributor, right? Writing yeah. his own songs. Yeah. And yeah. so out of, all of a sudden, it's his band. It's his everything. He calls Joe, Joe Lynn Turner up and he says, yeah, you, you write all the lyrics for all, my, my album." I can't see this guy giving up that much control, but that's what it says. Yeah, it's uh, that depends on what story you believe. So as Tommy sometimes says, uh, the winners always rewrite history. So in Ingve's book, Relentless, um, and if you have the book, it's on page 139. I'll, I'll read you a little piece here. This is in Ingve's words, obviously. As I've said before, I approach the singer's voice as another instrument, which he uses to reproduce the melodies. I write. Mozart wrote an opera and hired singers to sing the notes he wrote, not to improvise and add their own melodies. It's the same with me. I don't know why that's so hard for people to understand, but even to this day, they just don't get it. When I'm ready to record vocals on an album, I bring in the singer, play the vocal melody form on guitar, and I play the harmonies as well. I put that in his headphones and show him the words so he can hear how to phrase it. It's very accurate and it allows him to perform the song the way I want it. It's a lot of work for me, but it's much more rewarding when I hear the finished product. The songs that ended up on Odyssey were 95% finished, if not more, when Joe came on board. Some of them were actually composed while I was still living in Sweden. The Riff or Rising Force was written when I was 15, the Ride in the Dungeons when I was 17, the list goes on. 
Joe did not write the songs with me or for me, as he has claimed over the years. The melodies and most of the lyrical themes and choruses were already written when he joined the project. What he did was add some words to my existing lyrics, and I gave him full credit for it, which he, to this day, does not appreciate. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Knowing Ingve's previous work, I would probably agree with that because the lyrics are the same. I don't know where Jolyn Turner was a rock musician that took away from the old rainbow fucking Dungeons and Dragon first couple albums with Dio to traditional relationship rock kind of lyrics in rainbow. And now he joins Ingve and he goes backwards and starts writing yeah, Dungeons but, and Dragon rock and this, starts doing and is very similar to Ingve's previous lyrics. I don't think it is though. There's only a few songs I think that you could really categorize as typical Ingve like Dungeons and Dragon. You have songs like Heaven Tonight, Hold On, Dreaming, Now is the Time. Those are like 80s like rock, like emotional type lyrical songs. Yeah, but he that also did, had did, 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 Liar, You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget. No, He's I know lyrics that weren't all Dungeons and Dragons. Right, right. But this song, this song has Again, there's a song called Riot in the Dungeons, obviously. Yeah. But even even some of the and even some of the 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 themes, like we said, like you know, deja vu, crystal ball, you know, mystical type of imagery. Yeah, that's still there. But I think you can see a lot of the Joe Lynn Turner influence coming through on some more of the emo- emotional type of lyrical content here. And you know, obviously, we'll get into that when we stop breaking down the, the tracks. But um, I, I I would find it hard to believe that Joe Lynn Turner is responsible for quote unquote, all lyrics, you know, like it says, I don't believe that. I don't think anybody does. I think he, I think he might be right. I think perhaps in lieu of some extra form of payment, because no offense to Sonny's Sonny's blow buddy, uh, Jeff Scott Soto, um, Joel and Turner had a name when he came to Ingve. No offense. Yeah. No, no offense. So in order, in order to not maybe overpay him, he says, I'll give you, Here's these songs. You can help some of the lyrics, but they're my songs. These are the lyrics. I'll give you writing credit if you change anything on them. Yeah, maybe. And that's how he paid him more without paying him more. Well, yeah, because we've talked about this before on other albums, including with Kiss stuff, that the the money is in the credits. Like that's yeah, what that's and, that's where yeah, you can the get publishing. the money. And then he's yeah. like publishing. Yep. Motherfucker, I didn't even get a gold album out of this. Fuck it. I'll do it myself again. Go right. fuck all these extra guys. I'm not paying for more people and getting to some guy who's got a big head who wants to have some equal sort of who wants to be in the as a singer in the middle of the stage. How dare he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, why the fuck would I want that? Yep. Yep. And there are stories about like while they're recording, uh Jolyn Turner would go, huh? Or yeah. Right, like just kind of like as a transition yeah, yeah. or whatever, and Ingvay's like, "What? Hey, hey, what the hell is that? Get that well, shit out of there. That's not in the melody." It's funny that you say that, Sonny, because the times that I'll, I'll say this now, I'll get out of the way. The times that Joe Lynn Turner does that on here, I fucking love it. I think yeah. it. I think it adds a little bit of swagger. It gives you that rock star kind of thing, and I love it. But I can totally picture Ingvay being like, "No, no, 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 no. Stick to the rules, like you know." <laughs> So, all right. So, you guys ready to get into the tracks? Let's do it.
So rising force, you know, the dramatic opening. I always love the pace of these type of Momstein songs. I think it's a great opening track. You know, it kind of gives you that feeling of, hey, just in case you saw one of my videos on MTV that sounded more melodic, uh, you are still listening to an Ingve Momstein record. So it kind of gives you that feeling of a older Ingve Momstein, you know, a riffy type track. Uh, I am absolutely, this is the one thing with Ingve that totally hooked me. It's those guitar transitions. Right when the music stops after the concert, right that that oh my god, I love that shit. He does that all the time, and then during the guitar solo here, I also like it where there's like two different parts. There's a guitar solo, then there's this like dueling guitar solo afterwards. Um, I am glad though that the whole album isn't at this pace because I would probably get tired of it pretty quick. Um, but it's a great opening track. I can't say enough about how unfucking believable this song is as a track on its own and as an album opener that opening when you hear that effect of like it 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 puts you in like that like you're you're like that you're in you're in for something and then that machine gun like drum opening and then when when those guitars kick in and that's what i was talking about earlier about production this is an aggressive sounding album like this is not trilogy. And when that, when the song kicks into gear, that is a Metallica style song that you're listening to with that riff and those drums. And then all of a sudden you got Jolyn Turner come in with a melodic hard rock, not metal voice. And you combine those two things together. And I was just, I was in love with it. And I still am to this day. When I listen to this song, I still love everything about it. The solo is absolutely mind-blowing and when you watch it live you can see how he's interplaying with his keyboardist during the solo which is insane and then after the solo Joe Lynn Turner comes in and his vocal register is even higher you can feel the energy of the song the music and Joe Lynn Turner provide that that they that you can you you get energized yourself and um, I just think it's a, a spectacular song and just an absolute ballsy opener. So I don't have to uh, repeat myself. All the lyrics <laughs> supposedly written by Joel and Turner. So I'm not going to say it anymore about the lyrics. Uh, I will say this. The JLT melodic voice is what gets me on this. It is. You can't explain it. Some people like certain people's voices. It's just subjective, right? Mm-hmm. I love Stephen Piercy's voice. I think it's got that sleazy fucking voice. It's not meant to sing the, you know, Hallelujah, but by fucking Leonard Cohen. But for that rat sound, oh, I fucking love it. It's unique. I know it. I can pick out Joel Turner's voice anywhere. And his voice is what sells me on this uh, album throughout. His voice is so melodic. When when the guitar, I mean, it's Ingve. I was used to his album, so I know what I'm getting when I put this on. The guitar starts off. This is a straightforward rocker, right off the top. But I also think the problem is with Ingve, and it's a Vinnie Vincent kind of a problem with these gunslingers. They write songs for the solo. 
The song is just there for his solo, not the other way around. Like the Kiss writer, like Gene says, you know, the solo support supposed to support the song, not be the song. There are there are times where he does that. You can tell like the song's not important. It's just his fucking noodling is. But this is not one of them. This song fucking works. And it's written as a song, not as a just hear me fucking go nuts. His voice, when it goes to his uh, melodic voice, when it goes from the lightning strikes, mm-hmm. oh my God, it's beautiful. Then when he comes back to the third part of the voice, uh, when he, yep. right? When he goes, thunder and sparks, his voice goes up. Just a little little uptick in his vo- vocals and stuff. That's Jolyn Turner. You can't explain it. But that melody that he can carry, I don't care who the fuck he gets with these operatic voices that can pull that shit off. They can't pull it with that feeling that you get when Jolene Turner hits those notes. Like you can put Rob Halford in there who whose octave is off the charts or Bruce Dickinson or anybody else. They're not putting the melody behind it the way this guy is doing it. So that guy's uh, Jolene Turner's voice makes this whole song for me. The solo midway, the whole organ keyboard, which is which, I have no idea. I can say that there is stuff in here just goes. I feel like Gene when it comes to this album. At at parts of this album, I'm like, dude, just cut the fucking shit out. No. It goes so fast that it's a parody. No. I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't know how that's appealing to anybody. It's not melodic. It's just like it's appealing to me. Oh my yeah. god! I think okay, he just let... did bite the bullet. We haven't yeah. talked about that. <laughs> yep. It's just I... not appealing. Feeling like I tell you guys about Rush. Great. I can tell you're proficient. You've got a talent for doing this. Now give me something that moves me, that makes me feel good. That like. That it's melodic or something good. But real quick, before, this, before, real quick, let before me we get my on. thoughts out here on this. Okay. Because it's so I don't have to say this every fucking time. I'm just going to say ditto because I will say this throughout. Cut the fucking shit out. This is a good song. You don't need a fucking three hour fucking solos throughout everything. This is a good song. Good Lord. And it's so fast that the notes are just, they're, they're giving off like, the B sound that Gene talks about. And it just it was just over the top. And this is a very good song. He starts off strong with this. This is the closest, though, I will say that I got to Rainbow's Difficult to Cure from hearing this song and hearing uh JLT. So I got excited because I I I enjoy uh, I enjoy that form of Rainbow. I like this song. I am getting off my chest what I will, so I don't want to repeat myself later on. He can cut back. This song wasn't even as bad as the other ones, but his solos need to be shorter if you're making a song. If you want to do a fucking instrumental, then go off, but no need to do this in songs like this. That's how I feel. One thing I'm going to add before we move on, when you talked about Rob Halford and Bruce Dickinson, the, 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 I'm glad you brought them up because the reason that JoLynn Turner is my kind of vocalist And one of the reasons, I'll be honest with you, why I'm not a huge Iron Maiden or Judas Priest fan. Yes, Rob Halford and Bruce Dickinson can sing. 
they have that operatic quality to them that Jolyn Turner doesn't. Jolyn Turner can hit a higher register, but still have melody with some rock influence to it. When Halford and Dickinson do it, it really stretches the limits of what I want to hear in terms of vocal stylings. And that's why I like Jolyn Turner doing these songs. Cause I could picture Halford and Dickinson doing these songs and it would really, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be something that I want to listen to. Uh, but I, I just wanted to get that out. Cause I'm sure we'll talk about the vocals obviously more, but um, no, but that's it. That's rising force. Yeah. Sonny Dickinson and Ingve's head wouldn't fit in the same room. That's a good point too. <laughs> that's a good point. So yep. let's move on. hold on um not hold on hold on i mean the song hold on <laughs> uh, i somewhat agree with zeus and then at parts i disagree and and i want to kind of give you an idea of why it feels like and this isn't all of Ingve's music he's always kind of fighting himself there's there's a time and he does it in a lot of the solos where he'll have four five six melodic bars and then and then go back to the melodic bar. Like something is telling him you can't be bumblebee all the time. Yep. And something's telling him you can't be melodic all the time. Now, the one difference here that's different from the first three albums is he had just gone through a car accident. So I don't know if you guys know the story. Yes. But he was seven. Yep. Yeah. He was in his Jaguar convertible. He's hammered, gets in the car to go get more booze. He's one house away from his own home and runs into a tree. Jumps the curb, smashes head onto a tree, airlifted to the hospitals in a coma for a week, picking hands impaired through a blood clot in the brain, and he's got to go through rehab to try to come out the other side. Now, he says he came out the other side even better. I guess that's possibly true because rehab maybe makes your hands stronger than they maybe were before. You didn't know you had to work out your hands, whatever that may be. Some of this fighting himself on this album may be can I still do it at times? Maybe is it the right time to do it? 
Some people say this playing on this album is a little more sloppy than the past. I don't really hear it. I know he likes picking all his notes. He's not much of a sweet picker. So that usually puts a little more staccato into the playing. But the reason I bring it up now is Hold On's one of those songs. Like mm-hmm. it feels like he's got a normal Ingve solo in there, but then there's a little bit melodic, but then there's a little bit too Mumblebee. Bumblebee. It's just kind of, it's a little fighting itself. I love that the keyboard's more prominent in the song. I, I love that. Ingve kind of backed off on the fills a little bit, so it lets the song breathe a little bit, and it creates more of an earworm than just kind of being annoying. I would say the first time you hear the chorus, you're probably like, meh, but it does end up swimming in your head a little bit. And this is where, in his book, there's that second pre-chorus where, where Joe says, where you are, right? And yep, I love <laughs> it. Ingve's like, that's not in the melody. I think the producer came over the top, said we're leaving it, and that's why... JLT got to do that a little bit, but, uh, this song does stick with you a little bit. Yeah. I don't have two. the, the, if, if I had to say something kind of negative about this song, I would, my only problem would be the placement of it. We talk about, you know, track listings every time, a lot of times when we do bonus album reviews or even kiss album reviews, you know, you come off the blistering rising force and then you come to like a screeching halt with hold on. I just think I, I would have appreciated as the listener, maybe a, a more of a gradual transition into a song like this. That's just me personally. I think this is a song that really, you know, you're starting to really showcase the skills of Joe Lynn Turner, you know, the soaring vocals that he can do the melody that he can do. Um, I really like the pre-chorus in this when he, you know, Sonny made the joke about, you know, when he says, sometimes I wonder who you are so close, but we've gone too far. And then it gets into the real rising chorus of the hold on, I think it's a, I think it's a good song. You know, I think this, this is another song that could have been a hit at the time it came out in 88. Good solo. And Sonny, I'm glad you brought the whole car accident thing. Cause you could definitely see that that had an effect, p- probably had an effect on his pulling back on some of the histrionics with the guitar on certain songs, maybe this one namely, but um, yeah, it's a good song. I maybe would have maybe dropped it a little bit lower in the, in the track listing. I can see the next song being the second song. Yes. And I get your point, but I think what he was going for is fast, mid-tempo, fast, mid-tempo, fast, Mm -hmm. eh, fast, kind of like mixing it up. Yep. Um, This is a mid-tempo song. Again, I just write, the vocals are just fantastic. This is, so this is the part that I I guess I could say, um, I, I should rephrase a little bit. This is like the potential's there. He's hurting himself. This is like throwing Vinnie Vincent invasion and all systems go together and mixing them up a little versus where all systems go was a lot more restrained all the way through. So on this, the solo is good, but it's more, I wrote down, this is me writing this before we discussed, but it's a lot more than is just needed. And a little bit more tush. A guitarist like George Lynch could have made this better. That's in mm-hmm. my opinion. Now, it has a lot of keyboards. This reminds me of the old Rainbow song, Can't Let You Go. I, I just, the vocals of Joe Lynn Turner remind me of that song. I think this is a very good song. But again, if you're writing songs, good songs you want to get on the radio, then do it that way. So even Vinny toned it down when he did that time of year. He didn't throw in boys are going to rock in the middle of that song. This is a song that could have made it tone it down a little bit. 
And then if you want to have those rockers for your fans that like it, because I know this, this album was polarizing because either people love the stuff that I was complaining about, or there are people like me that want him to be able to produce these type of songs. And we piss off the fucking people like I was here first. I don't want this shit. I want 50 amps and him in the middle of the stage and the band in the back behind the curtain. Like there are people that like that. I, I I'm, I'll admit it. I like this shit. Cause this is the kind of music I like. Then again, I like rainbow with Joe Lynn Turner, not Dio. So yep. this is what I like. I think this is a very good song. The vocals again, it make it. Joe Lynn Turner makes it. It's, it's a very good song. Cool. On, it is a good song. On to the next. This feels like paradise. We'll be in heaven Okay, so if I asked you, what was what is the song that you have heard the most times in your life, right? And you start thinking about, like, what's the song I've heard the most in my life? Believe it or not, this is probably number one for me. Nice. And there is a reason, right? So if, uh, you know, back in the days, I think they still kind of do it. You walk into a a store that sells TVs, you know how you can watch the football game yeah. or you can watch, right? Cause they want to show you what the TVs look like. Well, Tony and I, uh, used to work in electronics at target. Tony actually worked for me. I was the department manager. He was uh, one of my guys and we used to have what used to be called target TV and we would get a, uh, a VHS tape of videos that were cut from MTV for albums that we were going to promote for the year. And this song was on the 88 promo video <laughs> 20 times a day, five to six days a week for wow. a year. Holy shit. I probably heard this song 5,000 times. <laughs> wow. Right? 5,000 times. This must be paradise, <laughs> right? Like 5,000 times, dude. Okay. I love it still. I heard it the other day. I'm like, God damn. Right, people say they get burnout on songs. I think they get burnout on songs on bad songs. I don't think this is a bad song. That's part of the thing. It's just a song I never get sick of. I love the acapella start. That 41 seconds of guitar solo is amazing. Uh, just everything from, you know, 
you go to the guitar solo, you come back to the chorus, it's just keyboards and drums. You know, I'm glad he didn't kind of end with a whole Bumblebee thing. I'm sure we'll talk about the video in a second, but just very Van Halen style radio rock is what it feels like to me. And that's probably why I love it so much. It's honestly one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, if you're an, if you're an '80s rock fan, this song is just it's borderline. I I don't use the word perfect a lot, but it 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 checks off pretty much every box that you would want as an '80s hard rock slash hair metal. This is Ingve's you know hair metal MTV song. It's got an unbelievably infectious chorus. You can't ignore the chorus, and it starts off with it like Sonny said, the acapella chorus starting. The keyboards, the, the the solo, it's it's a tasteful solo. It's a smart solo. Yeah, there's a little bit of noodling there, but it's a good solo. You could tell that this song was written for more of the mainstream crowd who might not know who Ingve is. I think it suits Joe Lynn's voice perfectly. It, it, speaking of the keyboards and Zeus, you brought up, we talked about Hold On. This album came out about a year after Crazy Nights. When I look at some of these songs on Odyssey, I'm like, Paul Stanley must be like, motherfucker, these songs would have been awesome on freaking crazy nights. Some of these would have been really cool songs that, if, you know, because Paul Stanley could have sung these songs the way Joe Lynn Turner was singing them because crazy nights, he was knocking it out of the park. But I, I think heaven tonight, just a great song. We'll talk about the video like we always do, um, you know, in a minute, but yeah, killer tune. My hands are up because I want to show you that I didn't write this just now. Okay. In the middle of my comments, Good chorus. Paul is jealous. Yes. Yeah, see, <laughs> perfect. We yeah, think alike. He's not jealous when the faster than the speed of light comes. You can stick that up your ass. Right. But right. God right. damn, heaven tonight. I could have wrote that. He's like, oh, this could be paradise. Why we'll be fuck? in heaven. To- yep. Why didn't I fucking think of that? I-, I bet you this is a very 80s song. Yep. That's how I look at this. And I wrote, could see his fans think he sold out by doing this song totally but but i like it you shake your head no you're telling me you don't just like the metallica fans they're like oh fucking they sold out after they started doing the videos and fucking oh the black album like there are diehards that i bet you are like this is why i fucking hate this or it's cool to hate this shit but to you know the audience that he wanted to open up I have this album and sort of the probably a lot of people that know this album because of songs like this. Mm-hmm. And he opened himself up. It's a good song, but this goes back to song versus the solo. He picked the song. The solo is a good solo. It's fucking, it shows that impressive speed and stuff that he has the touch. Okay. So that's great. It's a typical eighties movie move. Like that chorus at the end too, and it goes back to the drums. This it's like shot what? through the heart. That yep. move where it's just the drums and the singer. He pulls that one off, and you know the vacuum vocals are great. And I just end it with JLT yes exclamation point. <laughs> yep, just <clears throat> makes the fucking awesome, awesome song. Yeah, and the keyboards all over this. But like, see for me, if I can hear the keyboards. Because I can hear it throughout and it's got its own definition, I'll deal with it. I like it. I don't like the crazy nights. It's plain non-keyboard type of part to the song. Like it's trying to mimic a guitar or trying to do other stuff. Give me fucking runaway keyboards, 
versus fucking I'll fight hell to hold you keyboards. Mm-hmm. I, I want something different or it's hold. It's got its own little melody. I can pick it out. I know they're doing it and it's working. This guy and Ingvate play well against each other. I like guys like this. I like John Lord. I love like the white snake, deep purple keyboard players that have their own style and add something. Don Airy, if you listen to Blizzard of Oz, Mr. Crowley, like I love that shit. It works in a guitarist like this, a classical trained guitarist that can play with this band. I think this is great. This is a great song. If you don't like this song, then you don't like any of the music in the eighties. It's just simple as that. Pretty much agree. And, and were you okay with the butt rubbing on the guitar in the video? Oh, oh yeah. and a lot yeah. of the kicking. Yeah. The- it's just very eighties. That whole video It's just, the funny I think thing is what he's the- trying to do is trying to somehow mimic Steve Vai sleaze yep. from the Dave Lee Roth videos, because yeah. I think he's looking at the videos going, oh, my God, Steve's got moves and he plays just as good or not better than me. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. We've said this before about other albums. We talked about it when we talked about winger. Joe Lynn Turner looks friggin' good in this video. He looks, he, he, he is a plus on him, Tom. I do. He is. Well, he's a fellow Paisano. We don't get to talk about a lot of Italian rockers. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's my man. And he, man, he, he's got his hair all done up. He's got that smooth Italian. He's got that, uh, olive oil voice and Guinea charm. You know, he's like, uh, you know, from like the Godfather there, you know, he's like Johnny, uh, what, what the hell? I can't even, I'm I'm flaking now, but, um, when are we going to talk about East Indian good-looking men? I guess we got to get Garish in the Chronicles. Yeah, we'll have to, to figure something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry, just, can't help you. <laughs> just looking at the video, it is so '80s. Like the the, the drop kicks he's doing. Oh, the like high, the high. My, spin. my, my favorite is when like they a like, Miyagi thing. He does like a Miyagi thing, like wax on, wax off to the guitar, like. Oh, 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 oh. And then when the camera like zooms in on their face, and they're like, "Ooh, like, like you know, like." <laughs> Yeah, Joe Lynn Turner loves to do that smoldering Paul Stanley look. Oh, yeah. Like, remember in Stone Cold? Oh, my go, God. They get close to him, and he's just like, ooh. I, lo- I love it. Yep. <laughs> he does it here a little bit, and he, but it he, he looks like the same old Joe Lynn Turner we know. Yeah. But all of a sudden, now he, he's now hair metal Joe Lynn Turner instead of, like, you know, 70s kind of Joe Lynn Turner. And it's just, you're right, Sonny. Between the spins, the kicks... The he is the complete opposite of Richie Blackmore when it comes to oh, that. Oh God. He just <laughs> fucking everything is jump kicks, stretch, like fucking he's doing the DDPY yoga in the middle of the fucking <laughs> guitar moves. Like everything is out there. And then the keyboardist is even like rocking out with his cock out on the keyboard. Like, yeah. There is nothing funnier than seeing a video of a keyboardist try to act like you're a guitar player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, like, you're, play- yeah, like you're playing the keyboard. Settle the yeah, fuck like down. And then banging their head like, oh, okay, piano man. Yeah. Calm down. I know who I was thinking of. I was thinking, I flaked when I was talking about the Godfather. I'm thinking it's friggin' Johnny Fontaine. That's who he is. Yeah. With the olive oil voice and giddy charm. That's yeah. Jolin Turner. So you get the hell out of here. And I can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I love oh, it. Oh, that's right. Well, All right. There, there's our uh, Ingve Malmsteen first video report. <laughs> yep. Moving on. Next song. 
Tell me, I will tell you, this was what got me on Jolyn Turner. This is, this is where I fell in love hearing him, you know, sing dreaming, right? I was just like, God <laughs> damn, dude, like, where are you and how the hell do people do that? And because of that, I own everything Jolyn Turner. I've got all the rainbow stuff, got all his solo stuff. I've got Sunstorm. I've got Mother's Army. I've got it all. Right. I found it on eBay and record stores. And, you know, I was in uh, Vietnam. I bought a CD of his in Vietnam. Like I, this one song did it for me. And wait a minute, how old are you? I'm 51. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so you were uh, in the battle in Vietnam. You were just, no, no, Vietnam. no. I meant, you know, when I went there. Yeah. Just making sure. By the way, we're not too popular over there. Just saying. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, the, um, that whole, like, there's like a 17 second guitar solo. Then you bring Joe Lynn Turner in for about, you know, 30 or so seconds. And then you go into the real guitar solo. Then you go back to the acoustic guitar. This is absolutely one of the best ballads written in the eighties, possibly ever. This song is incredible and should have been a number one hit. And because it's connected to a guitar shredder, it would have never had a chance. Sonny, I'm going to pretty much echo everything you said. The fact that this song is buried on this album and it's not a hit. This is a clinic in vocals. I mean, if you didn't know who Joe Lynn Turner was and you needed to show somebody who he was and what he could do vocally, it is, it's mind blowing what he's doing on this song. And musically we'll talk about how i love the little almost like the little spanish flamenco acoustic like intro and then joe lynn turner kind of kicks in and then when the drums kick in when the, when the whole band comes together and then sonny you said it you got that acoustic solo and then the electric guitar come it's almost like it comes crashing in to this to the solo and then Jolyn Turner just loses it and goes to another plane with his vocal range. And then the guitar, the electric guitar crashes in again. And then you have that acoustic outro. So you have this unbelievable epic sweeping ballad bookended by the acoustics. And it almost gives you a feeling that like, you know, the lyrics are dreaming. So it's like, okay, it, it, it paints a picture that oh, maybe the song was a dream. You know, it starts off softly acoustic it ends softly acoustic and everything that happened in the middle was his dream i just think it's it's so 
unbelievably crafted. I just love it. And it, it reminds me the vocal range and like the passion in his vocals. It kind of reminds me a little bit of what Paul did on. I still love you just really, really passionate and just hitting it out of the park vocally. There's just no, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 you're right. There's none of that. There's none of that. Uh, dreaming. I, I'm beginning to finally, we're up to what episode? 15? 15. I'm beginning to finally figure out like how I know I will dislike a slow tempo or bad ballad. If Sonny praises a song beyond belief, I fucking hate it. What? Oh my god, this song is dreadful. Oh, wow. <laughs> this song is dreadful. Wow, uh, it's just awful. I, I got a hang nothing... up. Oh, can you just, just cut in a hang up thing right That's now? That's amazing. Oh my god, this song is just like oh my god, it's so wimpy. It's just so wimpy. Um, wow! Look, the beginning sounds like Dream Warriors in my mind. Dream uh, Warriors sucks compared to this. Dream Warriors, the beginning, like the little bin ding, bin ding, okay. like that yeah. kind of like the it little compared to coming this. in. Okay, it's not the it's two complete songs. I'm just saying that beginning side. Okay, the vocals are incredible. I put it in there. The vocals yep. are incredible. Nothing against Joel and Turner. One other part I want to make a point. Now, is the it, the song is just, it's a bad song, but wow. it, it reminds me of that other song that you loved off a of winger that you're like, Oh my God, this should have been a fucking top 10 here. What was the other song without the knife? Yeah. That other no. horrible song. I don't song. like your ballad, Sonny, awesome. whatever you like as a ballad. Then what I like as a ballad, like the Peter Chris song, and everything else you fucking hate. So we're on different planets when it comes to ballads, other stuff we might align, but ballads I'm, I'm, Figuring that out about you, Sonny. And so this is other- why we like two different style women, too. We don't like the same kind of women. I think it's the bad <laughs> ballads we listen to. Yeah, you like fat chicks. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> All right. Anyways, let's get back to this. The one other thing that I didn't like, he has a nice little acoustic groove going. Why didn't he pull a Bruce Kulik out of his fucking pocket and give us a, an acoustic solo? I think it would have been better to stick with that. I would have I would have been interested to hear what an acoustic solo on this song. I, I get the you know all of a sudden here comes an electric guitar takes over, but this acoustic melody going. But I would have loved to hear him pull a, an acoustic solo on this. Um, I can tell you this: as much as I don't like this song, it's better than Paul Stanley's "Dreaming." Oh, that song hell yeah! Sucks. Shit. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm not a fan. And it it it's saving graces the incredible work by Joel and Turner, who can sing the phone book if I, as far as I'm concerned. The guy's just incredible. And it's in it, it's a great performance. It's just it's just very wimpy and it just prods along. It's just not that good for me, but it's still the type of invade I prefer, song versus solo. So I'll mm-hmm. give him that. But speaking of solo. Next.
bite the bullet. Uh, okay. Instrumental. I, I like the pace, but it really feels like, okay, Ingve, we're about to do rising force. Go ahead. Give us what you got. Throw about three, four solos at me. All right. Uh, nah, I don't like that one. Nah, I don't like that one. I kind of like that one. Okay. We're keeping that one. Uh, name that one, bite the bullet and throw it on the album somewhere. Like, that's what it feels like. It's like a solo for one of the songs that somebody said was awesome ended up on the cutting room floor. And for some reason they're like, you know, we need two hour, two minutes and two seconds or whatever this is instrumental. Anyone like, I, I just don't know what the need is for this. I guess he's a guitarist extraordinaire. So you must have an instrumental. I just have never understood stuff like this. Yeah. Look, I'm on record of saying any instrumentals I'm a big fan of. I like this one. I think it's ballsy. I think it's got a lot of energy and I think it goes right into the next song that we'll get to in a minute. So, you know, it's, it's just a, it's an Ingve album. So you got to expect something like this to me. I just look at it as like a little, like a little lead in to the, to the next song. I enjoy it. Cause I like instrumentals bite the bullet short instrumental, but I put, it sounds no different than anything else. I can't tell what, if you took the separate out and said, what is this? I'd say uh, the solo from Deja Vu. I don't know. What is it? I don't know. It just sounds no different. It's a million notes, and then it stops. The happy part is that it's short. It's only a minute and 33 seconds, I believe. Does this stick out? And as you said, Sonny, I put, does it need to be a separate track? Couldn't it have just been in one of his songs? Mm-hmm. It, there's, That's the thing about it. I uh, and I don't want to keep beating on this. And it's the Ace Fraley stuff. You remember Ace's solos in the songs and things like that and other Kiss stuff? Because it goes with it. Bruce, the same thing. I'd rather have a Bruce Kulick solo than this thing sometimes. There is a time for it. But the whole album in this old long instrumental, do you, are you telling me like us, not the fucking fanatics or the guitar hero gods that love and live off this shit? Like that you would miss this if this wasn't on here? No. You'd be you wouldn't even know it was here. And it's not bad. You can obviously tell the man is talented. So it's kind of like this is his album. This is his prerogative. He's a producer. He can do it. He can throw it out there if he wants. Okay. I guess I would say, since some people like this kind of stuff, put it out there. I don't like it. I'll skip it. Somebody else likes it. No, they want to hear it. So I wouldn't get rid of it, but for me, I'd be like, what the fuck's the point? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So um, let's move on to the next one.
So break out the Dungeons and Dragons metal. This one's neoclassical, I guess, for sure. It kind of feels like a Dio era rainbow song that was left over and Joe Lynn Turner had to sing. Like it's got that Dio fantasy lyrics thing going on. Now, when you, when you kind of peel the onion back and you go, all right, the music, the riff, it's written when the guy's 17 years old. So the guy's no joke. Like he's 25 when this releases. And this musical piece is like eight years old. That's pretty goddamn good. I love the guitar, the keyboard solo combo thing. We talked about that a little bit live. It absolutely works, and it's absolute necessity. And you kind of get caught up in the energy of why is the keyboard the keyboardist trying to be like all crazy, but kind of get caught up in it a little bit live because they do play off each other a lot. It's like having two guitar players up there. And if you think about it, the keyboardist has all 10 fingers at their disposal, but really Ingve doesn't because unless he's finger tapping the whole time and with all fingers, he doesn't have all 10 at his disposal, but they're keeping up with each other, which is pretty cool. But, uh, it's a good song. You know, uh, if it wasn't for Joe, I probably don't listen to this because it's two dungeons and dragons for me, but, uh, Joe definitely makes it a little more radio friendly. Sonny nailed pretty much my overriding theme. If anybody else sang this, I think it really would have been kind of a real, real Dungeons and Dragons type thing. I think Jolin's vocal style makes me enjoy it. And I can, can, can forget about the silliness of the lyrics. I love how it starts off with a little bit of a mini solo, the kick-ass drums. It's another song where, I, or again, I've talked about before, the production on this album is very, very it's an aggressive production. It's full. It's not overproduced. It doesn't sound like it came out in 1988. You look at a lot of stuff that came out in 88. It was super, super overproduced. You know, whether you're talking about hysteria or crazy nights, it came out in 87, just the super produced stuff. This is like real raw and aggressive and loud. And I think Joe Lynn Turner makes the song tolerable, but there's a couple things I like about it. I like in the part where, where, uh, where Joe Lynn keeps saying, you know, I feel something coming. And you just hear like that, you know, that chugging, that Metallica style, like metal riff that kind of follows him through those. Um, and then you get that really weird kind of solo with the effects and the keyboards and stuff. I like musically. I like it. This is the kind of stuff I like, but you're right. If, I think if anybody else was singing this, I'd probably be like, eh, I don't know if I can get through it, but Joe Lynn makes me uh, keeps, makes me stick around for it. Yeah. There's that melody in this song that goes, what do in the yep. background, I can't, exp- I can't do it now, but like in the head, I don't know what it is. So there is so much of that is he plays so fast that I'm like, <laughs> it, the guitar makes so many weird noise. Like, is that guitar or is that his psycho keyboard player? I uh, can't tell yep. sometimes, especially towards the end at the 220 mark, the solo, the guitar goes so fast that I'm like, is that the keyboard? It's just incredible. Like, speed there's a lot of keyboards on this song vocals are fantastic it's a fast song but i'll I'll put it to you this way tom if this was the last track on peace of mind how far would we go off on go okay fucking there's a riot in the dungeon and this is bruce dickinson singing this we would laugh about it 
you're totally right. The lyrics are silly. It's like, oh, I feel something <laughs> coming. Looks like a riot. Like, you, fucking everybody needs to relax. Okay. First of all, why is there a riot in the dungeons? You know, r- r- relax. Oh, you're going to break out of a dungeon. Ooh. <laughs> Somebody get Merlin the magician. This is the night of breaking out right. in the dungeon. Like, it's but a, I think that it's a riot that's what, because somebody was cheating with the dice. See, when they were playing Dungeons and Dragons, there was some cheating happening, and now there's a riot. But like, if listen to these, listen to these lyrics, but real, real quick. I know we don't usually do this, but like, it's got to give. It's gonna break. Dying to live, our freedoms at stake. Relax already, Lopes. <laughs> Settle down, Lopes. Settle down, Joe Lynn Turner and Ingve J Malmstein. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. If anybody else sang this, it'd be laughable. But because I like listening to JoLynn's vocals, I'm not listening to the lyrics. Yeah. So this is why I'm like, I think what Sonny read in the beginning is probably accurate. Because JoLynn Turner got away from that shit from Rainbow. And he listened to, like, Richie Blackmore being like, yeah, you're right. You know what? Let's get away from this fucking man on the fucking Missy Mountain Hop. (laughs) whatever and let's get into you know since you've been gone like and just get back to guitar riffs and and fun music and when by he probably witnessed all that and that conversation of the whole band in rainbow discussing shit we're really getting away from what we did and so all of a sudden he comes in here and is like I'm going to write all the lyrics and I got a great one for you this one's called the riot in the dungeon I mean (laughs) It sounds so similar to, you know, like Ingve's kind of songs. And I think it might be right. And, and then Joe, Joe Lynn Turner goes, all right, but before I say Ryan Dungeons, I'm going to write, oh, 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 writing credit. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, yeah, but it's, a, I like the song. I'll be honest yeah. with you. It's just, uh, it's just fucking just funny. <laughs> right <laughs> in the dungeon. <laughs> We're going to have, an all album like Dungeons and Dragon rock album from all the albums we've done at some point and create the top 10 list from that. The ultimate dragon metal album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. It's deja vu time. So here's where the part Dungeons and Dragons, part Since You've Been Gone, Stone Cold Melody, part Ingve's neoclassical Bumblebee playing, 
that it actually all kind of works together. It may not be my favorite song on the album, but it's definitely a metal tune that's got that mix of melody crunch soloing, right? Like that whole start of the, uh, start stop of the music during the guitar solo, then the music speeds up, you know, there's all kinds of different things happening. I'll tell you, I'll talk about that in a second. The chorus is catchy, no doubt. The deja vu, right, allows allows uh, Jolyn Turner to do the little kissy faces, I guess, to the camera anytime that he wants to or to yep. the crowd. Um, but it does kind of feel like like the, the music's going. And then Ingve says in the studio, look, uh, I'm playing the solo at this speed, so you better uh, speed the music up because I'm not slowing it down. <laughs> right? So yep. it doesn't quite fit. But uh, it does work. He makes it work, but it does kind of feel like he's exercising his power. <laughs> okay, good one. Yeah, this song is, this is a standout for me. I love the intro. It starts off with that double bass drum and just that real staccato, like that, that just that riff. It's like, like, and the double bass is just going crazy. I love it. And then all of a sudden it just turns and Jolyn Turner kicks in and then you have like a nice kind of verse melody to me, this is the kind of stuff that I like because it, it it encompasses that 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 the hard rock you know sensibility to it with with melody with some real heaviness to it. It's got a really cool solo, and then it's funny because during the solo, the solo like all of a sudden takes like a left turn, and you get like this crazy little like funky like funk riff. You get like the wacka wacka wacka. It's like where did that come from? And then it goes back into like the you know like the metal hard rock kind of solo stuff again really really catchy chorus and another song that just Jolyn turner takes and and i think it makes it that much better than it would have been with anybody else singing it this is a standout for me was that fozzy bear you just did waka 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 waka. (laughs) pretty much (laughs) yeah deja vu vocals incredible very good chorus i also put tom there's a very like this is like a chugging along song yes Yep. Lengthy, fast solo. Then all of a sudden there's a breakdown and then all of a sudden the solo changes. I, I like, like I can get into when he, when he sticks to his formula, which is good songs. And then he gets to a catchy chorus and then here comes the Ingve solo and then back out when he just goes overboard and stuff. It just, he loses me, but this is okay. Uh, I like the song deja vu. It's a pretty good song. Yep. Nice. Next.
crystal ball. So this song, you know, it's got that melodic rock hook, right? The, if you didn't know if it was Ingve, you would think it's Deep Purple, Rainbow, White Snake, until the guitar solo comes. <laughs> then Ingve's like, look, I want to make sure you understand you are not listening to Deep Purple right now, right? So I think he he purposely says to people that Richie Blackmore is his hero. He says that about Jimi Hendrix too. Yep. Then he gets mad when people say, oh, you're the metal version of Richie Blackmore. But then you keep doing songs that sound like Deep Purple faster. Like it's, come on, dude. Like everybody knows what you're doing. Um, you know, it's got that radio hit type vocal melody. I really like the chorus. I just wish the backing vocals, like there was bigger back backing vocals. When I was listening the other day, I'm like, man, a Desmond Child gets a hold of this thing. This thing is a hit. Like it, it's got that feel. It just is missing some 80s flavor to it. But uh, it's really close, it feels like. This song is not missing anything. Nothing. Um, I love the intro. I love how it has that moody intro, the keyboards, and just the bass drum. You got a little bit of the finger picking. And then it kind of, the, the, the intro gets a little bit more aggressive with any starts playing. You start hearing like the, the, the riff of the, of what, what turns out to be the chorus of the song. And then the thing that just hooks me is when it just takes a turn and comes crashing in with that heavy, heavy riff, the drums, that mid-tempo groove that I absolutely love. It's not too slow and it's not too fast. It's just a real aggressive riff. The drums are just killing it. And then you got Jolyn Turner coming in with a really nice verse. And then the, the pre-chorus into the court, the chorus is spectacular. It's one of my favorite choruses on the entire album. The, the solo is Tsingve, it's solo. Um, and then after the solo, I love it. We talked about some of the little vocal stylings that, that Jolyn does. You know, after the solo, Jolyn jumps in with the, ow! And then it goes, and then it goes back into the main riff. And I just, I love that shit. I love when lead singers do that. Uh, but Crystal Ball is just, oh, love this song. Love it. Crystal Ball. I put that in. Sounds like a very 80s soundtrack, that opening. Yes, it does. It is. I can see that. that. 80s soundtrack. And I also put it sounds like a Duran Duran opening, like Save a Prayer. Mm. Okay. I got you. If you know, if you know the song. Uh, I do. This is another one of those slow start to fast. Great vocals. I put it's a it's it's a decent solo, but it's got a really nice riff. I'm not too crazy on the chorus though, Tom. I, it you know it doesn't have that uh, heaven tonight Paul Stanley type crystal ball, whereas Deja Vu is more Deja Vu. Like you, it's that earthworm. You can't get it out of your head. That day, crystal ball is a little bit. You gotta Deja. have to kind of remember it to be like, how's crystal ball go? Oh yeah, and crystal. I like. Oh, I think I think great. Deja Vu. Is a little bit sticks out a little more. I'm not wow. saying it's a better song, yeah, but the the chorus is more memorable to me. And wow. I think these are kind of like sister songs. I don't know. I could see they, that they're they're very similar, but I like the the chorus better on Deja Vu. Maybe, but I'm not saying I like the song better. But yeah. I like this song. Six one seven. I love when that happens. Well, you guys, your heads were down, so I didn't think you were paying attention. But no, we anyways, are. We are. Okay. Uh, now's the time to go to the next track.
So after a couple of, I would say, radio-friendly type songs, we're back to the serious Dungeons & Dragons metal. This ain't that wimpy shit on the radio. Until you get about 40 seconds in, and then it changes, right? And then you got that, like, grooving guitar riff, and the song is a little more listenable. So it feels like it's a couple of songs maybe jammed together at some point, right? Like this, maybe two different pieces of music, and to kind of try to work it. That riff I have heard somewhere, I racked my brain for the last two weeks trying to figure out where that riff is from. Someday I'm going to figure it out and watch. Tony will listen to it, and then he'll text us where the riff is from. But I know that riff. That riff is from somewhere, and this is not the only place I've heard that riff. The problem is I can't remember if it's after 88 or if it's before 88 where I'm hearing the riff from. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, the song's okay to me. Yeah, you're right. The beginning of the song with within about a 30 second span, it's like three different songs. You, you get the keyboard intro. It's very proggy, something maybe like ELO or yes would be doing. And then all, and then it breaks into that, you know, kind of a, a standard type of hair metal-y kind of riff. It, it's, 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 it's good. And then it takes another turn into like kind of an aggressive kind of riff. So you kind of, within like a short amount of time, you get three different things happening and then what I like about it is then it kind of really gets radio friendly, borderline cheesy with the pre-chorus into the chorus with the now is the time. I like it. I, I, to me, the, the, only, the only thing, if I was to say anything negative about this song, it's a good song. It just seems forced. It, it, it seems like they were trying to write something that was user friendly for somebody that's new to Ingve. It's not a bad song. It's just... It, it, you know, the keyboards are a little bit kind of crazy in this one. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that that intro wasn't really indicative of the song that we heard, uh, that that kind of faded quickly and got into more of what we wanted to hear. But I, I do like the song. All that being said, now is the time Sonny decided to text us in the middle of this actual <laughs> recording and write, you should never say ELO. And then yes, it should always be ELO. And then no. <laughs> oh God. They both suck. Don't get me wrong. Let me be crystal clear. Both of those bands are horrible. Wait, 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 Tom. <laughs> Let me be crystal ball clear. Exactly. Don't bring me down. Oh, oh terrible. Boy. Terrible. Love that song. <laughs> down, 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 terrible. Down, down. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. So catchy. Murph so had bad. Murph had me going between that song for some reason and to puh. 
to pow heart and soul oh that's fantastic that's bit of i like soul i like that song i used to think there were two women that there were twins singing that song oh that song is so good yeah i know i like that song too very catchy yes. but anyways let's get back to what we were doing uh an album review on to pow's 80 great song um now is the time i put this this is a really good pop song it's like a great hook i like yep. it um, the the vocals, of course, a lot of keyboards. It sounds like a Survivor song. Like uh, honestly, like that. it sounds like this song. I'm good. I don't mean to jump in. This yeah. sounds like this could have been done by Journey, Survivor, an '80s like FM radio band could have done this song. Yeah, it seems like something that could be a theme, like to Growing Pains or Full House. Yeah, yes, right. The opening now is the time, and then they. <laughs> Cut to the, the daughter playing all like, the dog outside and then cut to the kid like, oh, I just dropped my milk. Oh, God. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, now is the time. I almost feel a little bit like maybe I'm wrong. I'm hearing the melody wrong. Maybe you're the best around. I was going to say it sounds like it could be in the karate kid. The karate kid at the end. Yep. Now is the time. Like it could be something like that in there. But I like the song. It's this is why I'm saying that this is a little bit of the Vinny stuff. Like you can pull this shit out where yep. it's a good song, man. Stick to this. This should be your wheelhouse. Cut back on the other stuff. But to each their own. So now let's go back to real Ingve on the next track. Let's go. Okay, so this Richard Petty theme song thing that they're writing here, um, <laughs> it feels forced, right? It feels like Ingve saying, hey, the song is called Faster Than the Speed of Light. You figure out how to say it in the chorus. If I were you, I would do faster than the speed of light, but you do it how you want to do it, right? It ain't changing. We ain't taking no words out, you know, that kind of thing. It just, this is usually the point in an Ingve Malmsteen album where I'm like, haven't we already heard this song? Haven't we already heard this lick? Haven't we already heard this solo? This is usually when he starts to lose me. And unless, unless he puts something that's awesome at the end, it's hard for me to stick with the Ingve album. I'll tell you, this would be great at an opening live gig. I think an opening song at a live gig would be awesome. I think the keyboard solo breaks up the monotony a little bit, but, uh, it just kind of feels forced and, I don't know. Lyrically, it's a bit repetitive. 
Yeah, for me, this is the really this is the one weak spot on the album. I I, I just I don't like this at all. Uh, it it's too fast for Joe Lynn's vocal stylings. I, I it's just it's too fast of a song, and it's just it it's too frenetic. It doesn't really have a pace to it. It, it seems like it can't figure out what it wants to do, and uh, the lyrics are silly. It, it's this is actually probably the only skip that I would have on this album, and I just it's just not a song that I can get through. Just a weak spot for me, unfortunately, on this one. I like it. Great. Good <laughs> for you. <laughs> I like it. It's fast. His vocals are great. I love the screeching Joe Lynn Turner. I love that. Um, it's insane, fast solo. Again, solo so fast, it makes weird noises. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the keyboard going now? Wait a minute. Is that his fucking incredible guitar solo? But this, it's a fun rocking song. I think this is a, I think it's a, the stepchild of Rising Force. Very oh, kind of similar song, but not as good. Way too fast compared to that. Yeah. I, I but I like it. I like Jolin Turner, his vocals when it, when he starts going and there's just the drum sync going with him and singing. I, I, I think it's fantastic. I think he can, ha- he can handle anything. Um, and then I'm like, is he saying master, 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 <laughs> master, and then the speed of light? I wish I he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> master, 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 that'd, and the that'd speed be, of light. That'd be an upgrade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the song. I think it's pretty decent. Uh, I, and uh, Joel in turn, I think, I think he does handle it. So let's cool. uh, end on a couple solos. Let's start with the next one. You're up.
not to be confused with the volcano, uh, volcano <laughs> relief fund. <laughs> the mighty Krakatoans. Krakatoans. <laughs> I love it when Kramer goes, you know my feelings about all this. I don't even pay taxes. And Jerry, Jerry goes, yeah, when you have no income. <laughs> but anyway, um, this, these kind of songs, okay, at least it's not just a guitar noodle, right? It's got multiple guitar riffs. It, it feels like it was a built song. But when there's no vocals to it, it always feels like, to me, we couldn't figure out a vocal melody, so you get what you get, here you go. Right? Here's three and a half minutes of blah, blah, blah. And I've got really no reason to ever listen to it. Like, unless it was in the background music of Joker kicking somebody's ass, I got no reason to hear this. Right? Like, if Joker's got a bat and he's bashing somebody's head in, okay. If Deadpool is, you know, knifing some guy, all right, I guess I could listen to this in the background. But I I just don't get it, I guess. So the first thing I have on my notes is either you love this or you don't. Because I know how you guys feel about instrumentals. I know how a lot of people feel about instrumentals. When I first got this cassette, you guys are going to think I'm crazy here, but that's why I love these album reviews. When I first got this cassette, this was a song I listened to a lot. I love the instrumentals on this. That's like when I got moving pictures by Rush. I used to listen to YYZ all the time because I love instrumentals. I love how this changes pace. It has the, the really fast chugging riff. Then it slows down, the acoustics kick in, the keyboards kick in at the end. Yes, it's six minutes long. It didn't need to be six minutes long. I enjoy it. I like it. I think there's a lot going on. It keeps me entertained. I think it's well put together. I think it's a, yeah, it's solos, instrumentals on any albums are kind of show off things. And that's what Ingve is known for. Um, I like it. I enjoy it. I, I understand if people don't, but this is something that I enjoy listening to on this album. All right. So instrumental, I, I'm going to echo, you know where I'm going to go. I'm going to echo Sonny. Yeah. It's just another instrumental. I put a question mark. Is this needed? Like, but again, I wouldn't cut it out because there's someone like you that loves this. So for me, I, I'm not one of these guys. Oh, shorten the album by three songs and you got a great album. No, someone likes it. Leave it in there. Right. So good for you. You enjoy it. I, you know, it's just, it's not unlistenable. It's not like, oh my God. So it's just, is it anything different than anything else you've done? Like, <laughs> if you've got three different fucking hooks in here, guess what? Save it for your next album. Maybe you'll get a song out of this eventually. How many fucking great Kiss songs came off? We listened to the box set of all those early demos that eventually become songs later on. Yep. Like, save it. Save yep. the melody, save the hook. Don't need it. It's just, it sounds like a, a like a, a poor version of Mr. Scary at some point. And then it changes into like this plotting song. Another point. It, I, I know I'm not a fan of this. It just, there's no need for it. And it's just him indulging in his, his ego and he has the right to, this right. is what I'm about. This is what I like. This is it. So there you go. Let's go to the next one. And the final track.
Memories. Uh, okay, so Pressed here's your uh, the version of my mind. Are we singing the Elvis version? Oh boy, <laughs> memories. So here's your acoustic solo that you were looking for and dreaming. They just kind of sped it up because it didn't fit. I guess I don't know. I'm guessing on that. It's pretty acoustic guitars. I get it. It's a shitty way to end an album. It ends the album with a complete thud. Ingve has this habit. He ends a lot of his albums with thuds for some reason. And this is a complete 74 second waste of my time. Like, I just, thanks for putting both of them at the end. So I can just, and honestly, I don't even listen to Fast and the Speed of Light really. So I just kind of stop it before that and <laughs> I'm done with the Ingve album. But I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's his own ego getting in the middle of this. This is him. Well, Eddie Van Halen does it all the time. So I'm going to do it too kind of thing. Yeah, I don't mind it. I think it's an interesting way to end the album because of what you just listened to for the 11 previous songs, you know, especially with the way the song opens, you know, so it, it it's kind of, it, it, it's almost like the album is just kind of fading away on you. And I get it. I, I When I listen to it, I kind of get the, it kind of reminds me of like the, that, that two minute intro to rock bottom, the kiss song, you know, it kind of sounds like that. I, I don't mind it. I would have preferred. I know you guys uh, don't like the other, the, the Krakatau instrumental. That should have been the final song on the album. It should have ended with that. A, a long, epic instrumental would have been the good with a way to kind of ride out the album. This to me is just like a little bit of an afterthought. I, I, I don't, I don't mind it, but you know, I could see how a lot of people probably don't even get to this part of the album. Like Sonny said. So I have a, a bunch of thoughts on this last short acoustic song believe it or not so first of all others like sunny probably look at this and think god this is vinnie vincent all systems go why did he end his great album with the meltdown and y'all pretty shot whatever up the ass whatever he fucking sings there at the end (laughs) which whatever he plays at the end the drum the drum beat for some reason i will tell you let's go we got last two songs for me i'll jump on what tom said this would be great, like a rock bottom to lead right into riot in the dungeons or something. I yep. think it's fits yep. to be an intro to a song. Um, second, and you're right. The longer instrumental, if you're going to put an instrumental like he did, I would have looked at it. This goes in front of one of his songs. Krakatau is your, you want to do an instrumental, put it at the end of the album. People will hear it at the end. You're not overindulging. You have one instrumental. It's at the end. People will either listen to it and love it or not. The second one is no need for it then. Bite the bullet, whatever it is. There's no need for it. Put the longer one at the end and that's it. And end it that way. Now, for me, I fucking love it. This is a beautiful little melody. It is. So I will take this any day. So like there are instrumentals. I like Mr. Scary. It's pretty decent. But I'm not going to pull a Steve Wright and stick this on a fucking draft and pick it over like songs. But <laughs> Mr. Scary's never going to live that down. Poor righty. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Scary's great for the first two minutes. But then after a while, you're like, what the fuck am I listening to? Um, for me, I like Fractured Mirror. Yes. It puts me in a mood. I like Daisy by Stone Temple Pilots. Go listen to that. It's got that funky, just a little beautiful little uh, two acoustic guitars going back to back. I like Whale and Wasp, which we reviewed on Jar of Flies. Some, an interesting sound. It's not a song. So 
the other instrumentalist does, you know, they could be riffs to a song if you worked on them a little longer. So this doesn't need to be a riff to song. This is a beautiful little melody you can put as an intro to a song, maybe, or keep it as a short little instrumental. It's saying something. It's very unique. It's a beautiful little melody. It's almost like so, his acoustic is so well. It's almost like, I don't know if you guys ever heard of a, uh, if you ever hear like Greek music and sometimes the lot of middle, they use what's called the bouzouki. Okay. Short little guitar thing. It's very yep. high pitch and stuff like that. That's what this sounds like. So I'm kind of used to that instrument and yeah. I'm used to that sound. He pulls this off. I, I love this, but its placement as the last song does not make sense at all. So yeah, I'm with you that. on that, Tom. I, uh, I, that. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, but I like the song. I do. It's a Ooh. nice little way to end an album. And so that's Ingve J. Malmsteen's Rising Force Odyssey. Yeah. All right. So we got through it without any fist fights. So let's uh, some overlying thoughts. I have a couple in my head that I want to kind of say before I forget them because Start my, off. my memory is brutal. Go ahead. Overall, I enjoyed the album. I'm glad I have it in my my uh CD collection. I you know, I haven't listened to this really in years and remembering it there are songs that stick in my head. Those earthworms that sun earworms, excuse me, that Sonny's talking about that certain choruses, certain songs stick in your head. And you're like, Oh, you know what? When I put my CDs on shuffle and put my iPhone on shuffle, I hope that song comes up because I like that song now. And there is just other stuff that I'm just like, Oh, he could have done so much better that I can expect. Like I'm disappointed that he didn't do things a certain way. Um, there's a couple clunkers in here for me, but overall, I'm happy this was picked. Uh, I know you probably thought that this was going to come off as like me just bitching throughout. No, it's just, I got it off my chest about the overindulging, the overdoing it. I just think he could have made these songs better, but that's him. And this is probably as restrained as he's ever going to be. So Overall, I'm happy that you picked this album. It's something different. It's not the cliche, the ones that we expect us to pick. So I'm I'm happy that this got selected. Yeah, for me, there's four songs on this album that would make a playlist uh, that I would listen to at Vegas or on the you know on the plane or just walking around or whatever. There's four songs I tolerate. There's four songs. I wish we're never in creation. So it is a prototypical hit and miss album for me. The songs that I love, I absolutely love, especially my top two when we talk about it. Um, but then the songs that, you know, it's not like, you know, I super hate them like fucking source of infection, which is a complete waste oh, of time. How dare but, you? But I just don't ever listen to them because I don't have a reason to, because for me, I'm just not an instrumental guy. I need, there is very, very few instrumentals in this world that I would listen to more than once. And I just, I need a vocal melody. Yeah. So this album, like, again, we talked about at the beginning of the episode about, you know, our individual picks, like this is an album that it's, it's personal to me because, you know, and I know a lot of people are passionate about their music, the music collection, they, they get sensitive. They take it personally, what they like. 
this is an album that's personal to me because to be honest with you, I don't really know anybody else that knows this album or likes it. Other than like, I'm glad that you guys are familiar with Ingve. I knew you would be. So that helped me pick this. But sometimes those albums that are personal to you that like, you know, it's my album. There's no fatigue factor from it because no one plays it. It's not on the radio ever. It's not on satellite radio ever. Maybe once in a while they'll play Heaven Tonight. So it's the kind of album that if I want to listen to, I'll play it. I'll hear it when I want to hear it. And I think that's why I still enjoy it because I don't, it, it, there's no fatigue factor for me. If I want to hear it and listen to it for a week, I'm going to listen to it for a week. If I don't want to hear it for a month, I don't have to worry about hearing for hearing it up for a month. Then I can come back to it. It's an album that I've always listened to. I've never grown tired of it. Uh, there's a couple things on here that I absolutely love. Some things that I'm not super crazy about, but I still enjoy it. So I was glad to pick this album. I had I had it floating in my head for a while as an individual pick, and now was the time to pull the trigger on it. So I'm glad that I did. 617-422. For- <laughs> All right. So you guys are ready to go to the rankings. Let's do it. Uh, Tom, this is your album. So we'll go Tom, Sonny, me. All right, so 12 songs, number 12 for me, faster than the speed of light. Uh, number 12 for me is the 74 seconds waves of time called memories. Oh, how dare you? Wow. Uh, number seven for uh, 12. Seven? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I'm just out of it today. I don't know. Number 12 for me, Krakatau. The mighty Krakatoans? <laughs> Damn. Uh, number 11 for me, Memories. Number 11 for me, Bite the Bullet. Uh, number 11 for me, Bite the Bullet. That is my number 10, Bite the Bullet. My number 10, a Krakatau. Oh, boy. <laughs> number 10 for me, Dreaming. Ooh, ouch. Unbelievable. Uh, number nine for me is Hold On. Wow. Wow. Yep. Number nine for me is Faster Than the Speed of Light. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> Number nine for me is memories. Memories pressed against the (laughs) number eight for me is now is the time. What? Yep. Number eight for me, (laughs) Riot in the Dungeons and Dragons Cave. (laughs) What a great name for a title. A great name for a song. I mean. Uh, number eight for me, Deja Vu. Oh, what? Number seven for me, the mighty Krakatoans coming in at number seven. I like it. Wow, that lasted a while. Yep. Number seven for me, Rising Force. Ooh. What? Holy <laughs> fuck, dude. What? This album review is all over the place. I love it. Uh, number seven for me, Crystal Balls. Oh, oh. <sighs> Number six for me, Quiet Riot in the Dungeon. (laughs) Uh, Number six for me is Hold On. 
Number six for me, faster than the speed of light. Uh, number five for me is dreaming. Wow. Number five for me is now is the time. I'll tell you right now, the top five for me are pretty much all the, the standouts. My number one was definite, but the top five is great. Five for me, Quiet Riot is in the dungeon. All right, number four for me, Deja Vu. Number four for me, Crystal Ball. Ugh. Number four for me, Hold On. Number three for me, and this will take a beating, and I'll just, there's a little bit of fatigue here, but still a great song, Heaven Tonight. Number three for me is Deja Vu. Three for me, Now is the Time. Two, Rising Force. Oh, you guys are insane. Two for me is Dreamin'. Now you're definitely insane. <laughs> oh my God. You guys put that, that two for me, heaven tonight. Number one for me by far, always my number one song on this album since the day I bought it. Crystal ball. Uh, number one for me, heaven tonight. Yep. Number one for me and the best song on this album by far. Rising Force. Joel and Turner just fucking kills. Nice. I'm surprised you had that number one. Interesting. It, it is by far the it's great. Me. Wow. So what's the will, a, what's the I aggregate will, top will, three there, Sonny? I will listen to Heaven. that song, Tom, forever. Yeah. Crystal Ball came in at a combined number three. Rising Force came in at a combined number two. And Heaven Tonight was a combined number one. So okay. Heaven Tonight, then Rising Force, then Crystal Ball? Correct. Those are my top three in the reverse order. Yep. Nice. Okay. So now we have the excitement of album yeah. cover rankings. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so let's go with the albums we've ranked. Uh, I will read your ranking so far, Sonny. Peace of Mind, Slide It In, Blizzard of Oz, Pyromania, Appetite for Destruction, Mechanical Resonance, Bon Jovi, Singles, Winger, Super Unknown, Jar of Flies, OU812, Load. Album 14, where do you put this album? Cover. Cover. Correct. Right. Yep. Correct. Uh, it is going to end up being in between Jar of Flies and OU812 because it's just a pick. I like Jar of Flies, Baron. I like this thing. At least it was a little more, I don't know, unique. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Tom, you have Blizzard of Oz, Peace of Mind, Appetite for Destruction, Pyromania, Mechanical Resonance, Slide It In, Jar of Flies, Super Unknown. Singles soundtrack Bon Jovi Winger Load OU812. All right. Uh yeah, I know it's just a pick, but I kind of think it's it's got a little badassery to it for me for the 80s, you know, Ingve with that face kind of holding his guitar. Uh I'm gonna put it right 
below slide it in right above jar flies. Wow. I think that, that's high. Yeah, it probably is a little high, but it, I don't know. It's just, I, if it was a regular photo, the way it appears on the back cover, I kind of like the effects that they have. It kind of gives it a little bit of a weird quality to it, but eh, you know, something. It's different. also the disappointment of his previous ones. Being I agree with, I agree with that. So but I'm, not, I'm not holding that against him right now for this, but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So for me, I had Blizzard of Oz, Appetite, Peace of Mind, Slide It In, Pyromania, Jar of Flies, Mechanical Resonance, Super Unknown, Single Soundtrack, OU812, Bon Jovi, Winger, and Load. I'm going to put Ingve Malmsteen's Rising Force Odyssey um, right above right above Winger. I don't know. Okay. It's, it's, so that makes it my 12th. Sonny, yours is the 12th. And and Tom's is the seventh. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So we are now going to switch over and go over to the rankings of the albums themselves. Oh, uh, we can start with Sonny, or do you want to go with Tom? Tom, do you want to go first? No, Sonny, you go. You 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 went first with the cover. Okay, so so, go, so oh, go ahead. Let me edit this out. Okay, so let's go over to album rankings. So we're going to rank these albums. Sonny, your albums rank. Slide it in. Appetite for Destruction. Mechanical Resonance. Pyromania. Winger. Peace of Mind. Bon Jovi. OU812. Blizzard of Oz. Singles. Super Unknown. Jar of Flies. Load. Where does this album go? It is going to end up 10th, right below Blizzard and right before singles. Really? Okay. Wow. I thought you'd have a little bit more affinity for this because it is Ingve. Wow. Like I said, the, the couple of songs I love, I absolutely love. Yep. But there's stuff on here. Like I got no reason to ever listen to Riot in the Dungeons again. Like I okay. don't have a reason to listen to it. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Tom, you have. Mechanical Resonance, Singles, Pyromania, Jar of Flies, Appetite, Blizzard of Oz, Super Unknown, Load, Slide It In, Winger, OU812, Bon Jovi, Peace of Mind. Where do you rank Odyssey? Okay, I love this album, but the existence of Faster Than the Speed of Light and some kind of useless instrumentals is going to hinder it a little bit. So I'm going to rank it high, but not as high as if maybe those things didn't exist. Probably would have had it really high. Um, I'm going to put it um, at number six, right behind Appetite for Destruction. Wow. You yep. like this better than Load? Slide oh. it in? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Holy yes. Christ. Yep, because the songs on it that I like, I absolutely love them. The so- the only song I the only skippable song on here for me is Faster Than the Speed of Light. The sound like the, the instrumentals aren't great, but I can tolerate them. But there's no skippers on this other than that. Other than that, so I, I have it that high because the okay. song and and it and I also think too. And I did this with, with when I ranked singles high and I ranked Jar of Flies high. There's that affinity for it because i've i've liked it for so long it has like a little bit more of a connection to me it's not just a generic album gotcha so mine are blizzard of oz pyromania appetite for destruction mechanical resonance singles char flies 
Bon Jovi, Super Unknown, Slide It In, Peace of Mind, Load, OU812, and Winger. Where do I put this? I put this right underneath Load. I put this 12th for me above OU812, which has a few strong songs, but a lot of filler, and above Winger. Um, Not one album here I don't like. Um, but- yeah, I was just I, I was just going to say that we're getting to the point now where I mean, if this is going to this is going to get increasingly difficult because there's no albums here that I like. I I could wake up tomorrow morning and be like, hey, you know what? I, I should probably have Blizzard of Oz ranked number one. You know what I mean? Like it's it's these albums are just that good. So for me, at least. There are songs on this album I haven't heard in like 15, 15. What am I talking about? 30 years. Probably. Yeah, you're right. Right? Yep. Yep. I didn't even own Load. I didn't even own Peace of Mind. Yep. I still rank those higher and I like them. Mm-hmm. Like I like when those albums come on my shuffle. I yep. like when Odyssey comes on. I'm not skipping anything. Um, even on Winger, I had the album. I didn't really listen to it. I don't really skip anything. I like yep. them all. OU812, it's got some just filler stuff, but I'm not like, oh, except for a, a political blues. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. But <laughs> overall, I think we've got some good albums here. Nothing nope. that makes me like, oh. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. And I think it's going to be increasingly more difficult when we start adding albums. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So that's um, Odyssey. And what we do next, Tom, we usually go to this. Sonny, what makes you rock hard? So I was watching this movie the other day and you know how um, there'll be movies or shows you watch and we do it all the time here where you pick up a few quotable things that you use in your life. Right. And, uh, I just happened to be watching this 1999 movie that has a few quotable things, uh, that especially for some reason, me and tone use a lot, uh, don't be scared. Maybe, uh, maybe I should take your home bread, right. Oh, or boy. can't get right. Or we don't need no fences. We got a gun line. Or <laughs> there's going to be consequences and there's going to be repercussions. <laughs> now, what movie I'm talking about? I haven't seen it in so long. I don't even think I can remember what it is, but it sounds familiar. The movie is called Life. Eddie yes. Murphy, Martin Lawrence. Yes. It's yep. about uh, it's about Murphy and Lawrence. They're both wrong, wrongfully com- uh, convicted of murder. And they spend life in prison. And the movie's set in the 30s, and it kind of works itself through the next six decades. It actually didn't do that well in theaters because it was, I guess, in 1999. But the pay channel, it's a staple on the pay channels. Like I said, it's got Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, Ned Beatty, Bernie Mac, uh, Anthony Anderson, Rick James, Heavy D. <laughs> like It's got awesome. some interesting yep. characters, and mm-hmm. it's a fun, fun movie. Nice. Life. Awesome. I-, I found them to be so cranky at the end. And fucking hilarious It is a I love anything Eddie Murphy is I, I love like his expressions Like when he shows like annoyance Or disgusting Like he's grossed out by something Or he's annoyed I like that whole cornbread scene With the big guy Like he, it, it just And Martin Lawrence and him Played well off each other I thought that was Excellent Good movie 
Nice. <laughs> Go ahead. There's this scene <laughs> where, you know, this is, you got to remember what, what timing this thing is set in. Uh, Martin Lawrence does something wrong and he has to balance himself for several hours yes, on, bo- yes. on empty bottles of soda, right? In crates. So you have to balance yourself with bare feet on this thing. That's your punishment. So the, the, the warden dude, you know, kind of the sergeant at arms or whatever, he's so pissed off. He just wants Lawrence dead. So he tells Murphy, look, you just shoot him in the head and I'll walk you out of here a free man. And Murphy goes, oh, don't hand me that gun. I might just, you know, come to my terms and shoot you instead. <laughs> and the dude says, wrong answer. And Murphy ends up on the yeah. bottles of soda. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, so for me, mine are two two TV shows uh, that are Amazon Prime exclusives. The first one is called Hunters. One season, it premiered last year. It's fucking insane. It's unbelievable. It is, it's interesting because it's a series that's loosely based on a true story about real-life Nazi hunters in New York City in the late 70s. Apparently, there's, there's a story... Um, about the U.S. government bringing in German scientists into the U.S., uh, that many of them were Nazis, and they're living amongst the, the public, and they're living amongst the citizens, and they're led by this underground group of people called Hunters, led by Al Pacino, who's fucking unbelievable. The show has some extremely difficult scenes to get through because they do a lot of flashbacks to the Holocaust. It's very, very, very difficult to get through. The show is like, it's part Quentin Tarantino stuff. It's part adventure. It's part mystery. It's part drama. It's very, very good. Some stuff is difficult to get through. One season, it's been renewed for a second season. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but I went on the Wikipedia page for it. I started going down a rabbit hole and started looking at some of the stuff that it was based on um, a gov- that government operation called Operation Paperclip, where they brought in a lot of the Germans into the U.S. as scientists. Whether they knew they were Nazis or not, they came here and relocated. And the story is that these they're now trying to create a fourth Reich in the United States. Crazy shit. Crazy shit. Great show. Um, and then the other show that I've been uh, pretty much about two episodes away from finishing all six seasons, also on Amazon Prime, is the show called Bosch. Um, and that is based on a character from the Michael Conley novel, novels, uh, if you've ever read anything by that. Uh, L.A. homicide detective Harry Bosch. Um, great, great show. Six seasons. Each season is 10 episodes long and each season follows Bosch through one main story, you know, criminal investigation, and then usually one or two kind of side stories. Uh, but then throughout each of the six seasons, there's those continuing themes that go on, you know, his, some of his personal stuff, some of his stuff with his family, his coworkers, his boss, the city of LA in general. If you're into police procedurals, detective type shows, homicide cop shows. I can't recommend it enough. It is. It's spectacular. Excellent. Excellent. So, so if you got Amazon prime, I urge you to check out hunters and Bosch. That's the guy from lost Titus. Welliver. He's awesome. He's, yeah. he's amazing. So good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I tried Bosch. It started off kind of slow when I got past like the first four or five episodes. Then I kind of got into a little bit. I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, because I it's was a long, wondering because, because it's a long form. You know, it's it's yeah. not like a regular cop show that's over in an hour. It's it's ten episodes long. Yeah, and there's a lot of people been oozing over hunters 
And I did not enjoy it. And I was wondering what it was. And I think what you said made it clear for me. One, I don't like TV shows that are a little too real, right? Like I, I have yet to watch any movie that has anything to do with nine 11. Like that shit is way too real. Me too. I don't want it. Right. So as soon as it kind of touched the Holocaust, it was a little too real. I really don't like anything Tarantino does because it's a little too crazy yep. and it's a little bloody for me. Right. Yep. So like the three things, that's what I don't like about it. But if you like those three things, like uh, you're going to love it, but that's yeah. why I wasn't getting into it. No, I can hear you. It's not for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't like this stuff, I will get you to something that probably is up Tom's alley, but it may not be up yours. Um, Sonny going down a rabbit hole. I have the movie. I've seen it hundreds of times, but I don't know why at two, three in the morning, I decided to watch it because it's free on YouTube when I was, it popped up. And that is the 1976 classic, The Omen. Oh, dude, that movie is fucking awesome. It still scares me. I'm watching the movie as a grown man in my house at night. It still scares the fuck out of me. It's the first of all the soundtrack. It won an awesome. Oscar, which I didn't realize that. Yep, the, that score is insane. Yep, the music on that, the fact that it's just like regular people. It doesn't show you the supernatural real stuff. It's just regular people, and like just spooky stuff. That scene where the 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 nanny, oh. like Damien. Over here, I'm doing this for you, Damien. I love you, Damien. And fucking just jumps out. I've read that, you know, they never showed that scene in front of kids. Kids didn't actually see it. But it's fucking spooky as hell. Or when the photographer that helps Gregory Peck's uh, character throughout the movie finally gets his, you know, his coming, um, his uh, fate dealt. Like, what the fuck? Yep. Or... Better yet, when he's showing them, like, what the fuck is this? And in the in the films, because he was, you know, when he was looking at his photographs, and then it's like, yeah, and then look at this guy, and he's like, you know, I really want to help you because, you know what? By accident, I got a copy of my reflection too, and then he sees it with his own. Holy fuck! It's just, I don't know. It the the whole premise is kind of interesting and scary. The way it was filmed, the acting. God, Lee Remick's a little hot MILF back then. <laughs> that's that's back in the 70s when they were making horror movies, but they were making them as, they were films. You know, you had Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, yeah. you know, The Omen. You had like leading top tier actor, Gregory Peck carrying The Omen, Lee Remick. The movie is spectacular. It's excellent. Even if you're not a horror movie fan, this is a film. And the story is riveting and the ending is brutal. The ending's horrible. Yeah, it's um, you know, they had a couple remakes. I think they did a a TV show on him recently, the character. Yep. It's just it was done by Richard Donner, which yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yep. Um it it's spooky as fucking all hell. It's um but it it got me off on a little bit of a tangent. I want to create like I wish I could have the the power to do this at some point maybe in the afterlife if you could get all your wishes i want to create a wish would be to be able to do things in the in fix movies that you normally shouldn't do 
Like the priest walks in and explains, take the body of Christ. Take oh, this yeah. and that. He's in his office. The guy's got bloodshot. I looks fucking great. Like he's telling you stuff. Like, and then he's like just dismissive. Like, Get him out of here. Security. Like, yeah. dude, if somebody came to me and started throwing this shit at me, I'd be up all fucking night. I'd be like, what are you telling me? What's going on? The fact that they just, or better yet, the fucking spookiest character is that second nanny that comes in. She's the horrible. Fucking, the, her face. Yep. Dude, the agency sent me. Oh, oh, the agency said, yeah, come here. And then all of a sudden, there's a fucking Rottweiler in my house. And then twice she brings it back. And he's like, I thought I told you, I don't want a dog. Dude, the crazy ass nurse has become very fucking close with my kid. And all of a sudden he's got a Rottweiler sleeping in my kid's room. Dude, what the fuck is going on? Like, I wish somebody could step in and be like, okay, anybody normal would be like, pack your bags, get the fuck out of here or, or change something. Just, it aggravates me in things in movies that you're like, fucking ask questions of the guy. Who would be like, I don't want to hear it. I'll never talk to you again. Get out of here. Like what? If that, if they were, if, if Gregory Peck and Lee Remick were like normal, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, but they, they're like big politicians are like, Oh, the agency say you, you can go take care of my kid, even though you're yeah. strange and, and you have the hounds of hell as a pet. Yeah. <laughs> it's just good stuff. So watch this. Watch the, the sequel. Watch, watch part two. Watch Damien Omen two. Yeah, I've seen them all years yep. ago, but the Omen, the original Omen, and I just like the spookiness of it all. The religion. If you're religious and you believe stuff, you like, like yep. this is the stuff that scares you. The God, the Jesus stuff, and remember the mm-hmm. seventh sign. Oh, no, oh yeah, the seventh sign or was the, the seventh seal? The, the seventh sign yeah, with Demi yeah. Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even yeah. that, it's just fucked up shit. Yep. Um, yeah. So the Omen was mine. Cool. Excellent. Have you stuff. ever seen it, Sonny? Hell no. I stay away from those type of movies. Dude, he's good luck. Sc- he's a scared. I, I dare you to see it by yourself no. late one night. No, no, not doing it. I watch much it, rather what? watch Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> Crocodile Dundee. Shit, I'll watch Crocodile Dundee in LA before I watch that shit. <laughs> nice. Good luck. Anyway, so, um, who oh, oh somebody one of you guys texted me a photo of her in her prime. Oh, she looked good. She was looking H A F, as we like to say yes. in our text group. <laughs> looking real good. Yep. So um before we end, we always like to pimp our own podcast. Sonny, where can we find you besides here every week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to back, right? Yeah. Uh no, grownuprock.com is probably the best place. Uh, Grown Up Rock podcast. We're on all the podcast places. I don't know, platforms, whatever. And then Podcast Rock City, All Kiss Podcast. Uh, same thing. You can find it on all the podcast platforms. I'm easy to find. I'm out there. He's out there. You'll find him. Tom? Yeah, so shout it out loudcast. So if this is the first time you're coming across us, we do the monthly uh, bonus album review crew episodes with Sonny. Uh, but other than that, Zeus and myself, we are a weekly Kiss podcast where new Kiss episodes drop every Saturday. Um, and you could find us on all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Our email address is shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're part of the great Pantheon podcast network of shows. Um, you can find us on all the big platforms. And um, yeah, check us out. We hope you enjoyed this. And, uh, you know, 
our regular kiss episodes are just as zany as these uh, album review crew episodes are and be forewarned the next pick is sunny's we're all scared yes so for us we always ask specifically with the album review crew episodes that you email us those are always the best ways of discussing the album and we always read them as you know shout it out loudcast at gmail.com shout it out loudcast at gmail.com you can always send us a direct message facebook instagram and twitter so we appreciate that and tom sunny we usually end with famous last words what do you got from this album there mr apuni Drowning in the flames in the sea of desire, angel with the devil's eyes, turns up the heat and we fall in the fire. Can you feel the temperature rise? Tell me that is true. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You can feel it too. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. My, my, my lyrics aren't as lovey as those. Burned by the glory of the sacred fire, the rising force starts to shine. Above the inferno, it soars ever higher, leaving the demons behind. Take that, Damien Omen! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel something coming. Looks like a riot in the dungeon. <laughs> you stand and die or start your running because there is a riot in the dungeon. <laughs> oh, 617. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> That's I love, it. I love it. All right. Tom, Sonny, Kiss Army, Loudcasters, whoever's listening, Ingve Malmstein. Um, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, guys. Zeus, Sunny, as always, awesome time, great time. Thank you, everybody. Always a great time. Thanks for the invite, guys. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.